Good morning, everyone. Today is February 23rd, 2022, and I'm going to entitle this one, Global Problems Need Global Solutions. I think we all know what I'm talking about. The shit is hitting the fan, and everybody wants to go to war with each other. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Okay, sounds great. Nothing else matters if everybody's wanting to go to war with each other. Something like nothing else matters. I cannot go about my daily business without thinking we're all going to go to war anytime soon. So that is the hot topic of the day. Well, first things first, do your research. Great. What is the problem? A is for awareness. Okay, we are aware of two fronts, west and east. Right, Father Kaz from Mass today? Thank you so much. West and East. Two-prong attack and defense and a situation. Okay. Let's understand. On one side, we have the whole China thing, right? China is trying to get Vietnam back, uh, uh, Hong Kong back, Taiwan back, working its way, probably going to go to Phil- whatever. I don't care. They're on the move, And people are like, no. And then we see the same pattern happening over the other side, right? Because if you're looking on the map, China's on the east and Russia's on the right. Okay, no, 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 that's not right. That's not right, is it? No. China's on the right and Russia's on the left, which is the west. Okay. But now they're talking about the eastern side of Ukraine, which is the western side of Russia. See what I'm saying? Okay. Debt, credit? See what I'm saying? Okay, great. Alright, so, to understand the situation, Russia's over there trying to take back Ukraine. Probably gonna work its way off somewhere. Okay, great, same pattern. And everybody's like, no! Right, you see it? Okay, great. Two places, two fronts, same pattern. Alright, what's the problem. That's what I want to know. I'm, I'm a clueless here. Just trying to be a pe- I'm a clueless peacemaker. I'm like St. Francis. Like, what? what's up, people? Hey, have some uh, wine, have some bread. Let's, let's talk. Okay? So, since I don't have anybody to talk to, I'm going to do some research. So, we're going to cover two things today. On the China front, here's the thing. They don't have God. Okay. See? They say they have God. At least in front. Okay. They are claiming authority on what then? I need, I'm in the middle of talking. Can you please just give me a second? They are claiming that they have a right to do all this based on what? And I would have to say uh, documented, written, would be the book of documents, a book of antiquities that dates all the way back to the beginning of any dynasty. Okay, great. So there's our direction of study because having read so much of it already, if you've been listening to my podcast, it directs everything back to God. And that is the final destination. Okay. 
on the other front, right? Because also back to the Asian. Hold on one second. We have many apparitions of Mary there. We have Our Lady of China, Our Lady of Vietnam, and right now Vietnam is North and South. They can't agree with each other because it's still a little bit.、Uh, I don't know what is their attitude toward women nowadays. You know, because my husband was telling because he's, he's Vietnamese, so he was telling me like you know they had this. Time in their history, like if you play Dynasty Warriors, you see the Amazon people. Remember the that's my one of my favorite characters, the guy who spins on the ground with this like double-edged sword. He looks like an Amazon guy. Yeah, them. Okay. So, anyways, Amazonian people. Well, that's the same story in Chinese history. I showed you the movie. It's called Amazonian Warriors. True story about the Zhang, right?、Uh, family. Anyways. But then my husband, he's Vietnamese, I'm Chinese. He tells me, like, he's like, oh yeah, there's a period in time in Vietnamese history where, because his father's a teacher, so they know a lot about this stuff. So he's like, we have the same history where there was a point in time where all the women were in charge, you know, because like after a war, all the men died. Well, the women got to step up, and what? There you go. Right? If you're a baby king, who are you gonna respect, mom? You better believe it. <laughs> You know, right? And Prince Dowager, same tradition in Vietnam and China. If you go back far enough, you'll find the intersection called Han, because the Vietnamese language is Han plus French. So there you go. We are one people if we go back far enough. So when people ask me where you're from, I'm like, I don't know. What time period are you talking about? Allah. All right. So I'm just trying to be a peacemaker. Cause I don't want to die. I don't want nobody else to die, and I don't want to. Right? Can't we just go back to happy, joy, joy times? All right. Moving on. Moving on. All right. Next, let's talk about the Western Front. My first、uh, clue would be S L A V S, Slavs. Right? If we go back far enough, Slavs covers the whole map. If you like to see what I'm saying, please join me at Wikipedia. Just say Slavs, S-L-A-V-S, Wikipedia. Okay, great. You see that map right there, under Slavs.、Mm-hmm. You see how the green part covers about the whole shebang on north of China, which probably includes Mongolia, Tibet, Russia. I don't know. It's huge. I think it just covers almost the entire northern part of the continent. Okay, but what's interesting? And they label that. Th- it says 50, more than 50 percent dark green means majority Slavic ethnicities. You see, Slav just covers the whole darn thing. The other 50 percent, the minority Slavic population, is surprisingly on the other side of the ocean. What? That's what I see. Look at that. It includes all of Canada, and all the way to the little island parts of northern. I don't know what that is, but the entire. Other than United States and Alaska, the entire what you would call Canada is minority Slavic populations. What? You see? So if you go back far enough, the whole map is covered. So here's my question: it, What is the goal here, people? What is goal here? All right. You can talk government. You can talk people. I don't care. What is the goal? Is the goal separation, or is the goal unity? Please sort yourselves, and we'll be right back. Right? 
people who want unity, but with who, right? Isn't that the question? Who would you like to spend eternity with? Eh, that is the question. If heaven is defined as some form of afterlife, therefore eternity, who would you like to spend it with? And why can't eternity start now? You lonely? So am I. Let's go. I'll be right back. Okay. So, <clears throat> status update on what I did today on our, for our mission, current mission. Current mission entitled, Global Problems Need Global Solutions. So, upon doing my homework today, I visited the Chris Chapel channel, which thus far has been my only channel I try to get my Chinese news from because the serious sources are a little bit depressing to me, you know? The truth is depressing half the time. So I like Chris Chapel's more humor approach. So... Normally, you know, in the comments that I read, I hear nothing but good stuff. And it's it's fun to listen to, you know, when you're not really trying to pay attention to the subject too much and do too much research. But when I did start researching, and when I did start caring, that, uh, which led me to researching, because I don't want to have egg on my face, right? Like, say something and somebody point out the truth and I'm like, you know, uh, oops. So... I'm like, you know, this topic that he uh, talks about, the, you know, he brings up a lot of subjects that I, I didn't know about. So I said, okay, what are these, uh, what was that name, honey? Falun Gong or the Wai, Wai Gui, what the, what's, the Uyghur. We, Uyghur, Uyghur, Oi, whatever. I can't spell it. It starts with a U, right? Because nobody knows anything because you never can spell it. Anyways. <laughs> So, yeah, I did look into that, but there at the time there was not too much information. But then I was like at the same time, honestly, I felt that he might have been encouraging a tone that might not be helpful. I don't know how else to put it. So, anyways, today, so normally his comments are pretty uplifting. Hey, we love your work, Chris. Well, thank you. Awesome. Everything great. But right now, it's starting to get serious. <laughs> it's getting nasty. So, I was like, oh, boy. I, 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 I think I need to spend a little time on this. I stopped there today. I, I was kind of just... Meditating on the people on the people on this channel, and um, I'll I'll see if I can recall some comments for you. But something about um, Vietnam uh, called a vassal state is a hot button that seems to be triggering people. Um, I guess that could be said the same as Taiwan, right? Those are all usually the hot triggers. So I'm not trying to. Uh, I'm just trying to get an overview of the problem, so we can focus on a solution. And you, you see what I'm seeing, right? Like, the same patterns are everywhere. And what is it? Uh, I would, is it, I'm, I'm not trying to assume what the problem is. I'm just, I feel like a third party. I feel like an ignorant Chinese. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> I feel like an ignorant Polish. I feel like an ignorant, you know, like, 
Okay, this uh, apparently sounds like something we should care about, but I don't know much about subject, and I don't want to judge because I don't live in that country. If I'm at the same time complaining about somebody telling me what to, I should do in my own house, I don't want to be the guy who goes to somebody else's own house and tell him what to do. I'd be a hypocrite. So, if we're supposed to care about our neighbors, and the first question the disciples asked is, who's my neighbor? I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> neighboring, neighboring house, neighboring street, neighboring community, neighboring state, neighboring country. You get the point. <laughs> global problem, global solution. We are, I just told my hubby today, I was like, honey, we have never been in this point in time. It's like playing the civilization revolution, right? We have never been up to this part of the game where now what used to be a local problem, which was physical, is now a global problem, which is not physical because we can't physically be everywhere. But because of the internet, something we've never had before, we're able to reach beyond the physical. And this is like a new new that is throwing everything off kilter. Like, oh, we have to get used to this now. You see what I'm saying? That's what I'm seeing. America is the first mixing pot that we know of. Yeah, you can go historic on me, no worries. I'm sure it's happened multiple times, but that we know of and that we're living in and can do something about. Yeah, okay, great. Let's focus on that. Global problem, global solutions. The same problem we're having with our neighbors right next door Right next county, right next state, it's happening all over the world. That's what I'm seeing. Everybody feels like they should care about what happens in another country because we all dependent upon each other. Uh, we all know how we got here. WTO. Is that what... Because I keep thinking about the story Trump is telling. I'm like, what is this man trying to say? Why does he keep telling the story? Who's who in the story? He never says, does he? Who's the woman and who's the snake? Who's the stupid woman and who's the snake? There's only two characters in the story. And is there just one woman we're looking for? Or is it more of a concept or, right? Is it a concept? Or is it a silent person? Or is it a, I don't know what you call it, a spirit? Right? I'm Catholic, so I'll call it a spirit. <laughs> a principality, right? What are those words? I, I, I can't remember them all, but. So if it's a global problem, that's more like a fractal. Well, the same problem that happens over the entire puzzle is happening up to each piece. Same pattern. You see what I'm saying? Fractals, fractals. I can't tell you over a podcast what a fractal looks like, but... Okay, cauliflowers. F cauliflowers, right? Every little circle in the cauliflower, if you go out, you'll see the same pattern. Where each little cauliflower together makes a chain of a, a big cauliflower pattern. If you know what I mean. Okay, great. Oh, you know what I mean. 
same thing that happened. Because why? I'll tell you why. <laughs> nations, kingdoms, those are the words. People. Well, what are kingdoms and nations made of? People. It's like Lego blocks, you know? The characteristics of a Lego block is going to be the same characteristics as the humongous Lego that you're building, right? If you're, if you're only using tri uh, square triangular blocks, you're going to get a square triangular shape. I don't care how you do it, right? The little edges, the pixel edges are all going to be squarish. <laughs> you can try as you might, right? But then that's why they start making different Legos. <laughs> Not just the traditional square anymore, right? Of a man change, isn't still he? he isn't he still the same man? What's that mean? <laughs> Don't. Why are we resistant to change, people? Because it's uncomfortable, isn't it? It is. But it's just a stage and a phase of adjustment, adaptation. Is that a bad thing? Well, we're in this world. We have to adapt, don't we? Do we? Why are we in this world? There you go. Focus on the finish line. Principle, principle, principle. We got to have those principles to keep us in line or we're going to get oh, go adrift. That's why I'm a pole dancer. I'm anchored. Get it? The concept. I am not a physical pole dancer. Never have I in my life been pole dancing. Like, no, that's not true. I'm sure pole dance. Oh, well, no, I don't know. I remember. You know, false memories. Sometimes you wish for something so much that you visualize it in your head. And you, when you're so old, it's been so many years, you're like, did I ever, was that really, did that actually happen? <laughs> what was that movie House Guest with uh, Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn? I love that movie. I love what she said. Okay, there's this one part where she's getting off the bus and she's like, he was like, everything you've told me is a lie. And she was like, you knew I was a liar when you hired me. It's like pretty woman, but like in a different spin. Still cool. And he was upset that everything that she had told him up to that point was a make-believe. And she's like, you know, I don't remember exactly what she said, but what I walked away with watching that movie is her point was, it's kind of like, not, not that I would lie the way she, that's not the point. The point is, if I make something so real in my head, uh, but I'm not, right, okay, pathological liar, don't do that. No, no, we've already said, right, I'm not talking about that. Okay, great. But I'm saying, for myself, right, a memory, I obtain, or a memory I create, or a dream I have. They all give me joy or pain or the experience, right? In different ways, yes, sure. But say you're crazy. Okay, well, let's just imagine it. Say you're not crazy, but you have no idea what crazy even means. But let's just imagine crazy, okay. who lost their memory, right? We, we see movies about that. Okay, great. So you completely lost your memory. I like to ask this to people all the time. I said, if, you, if I had the, say I had the ability right now, here's your question. 
I'm going to ask you right now, Mr. L Mrs. Listener. And, uh, yeah, family survey. Please comment and email me. If I had the ability to wipe away permanently any memory of yours, would you do it? Yeah, that's the bait question. Would you do it? And yes or no. Usually it's no. They usually, it's a 50-50 is, is, the, is the survey results. So if they say no, I say, so you don't have any regret, right? If they say yes, I said, which one? But really, the objective makes them think is a result of this experiment. That's what I do. I like to just throw questions at people. I'm a student from humanity, right? Okay, here we go. If you could create a memory for yourself, I mean, that's what Tony Robbins was trying to help us do, right? Scratch up our bad memory records and rewrite them, kind of like Men in Black. I really like that concept. I kind of hijacked it. If you have a bad memory, would you want to just get rid of it? Some people say, yes, of course. Why not? That sounds great. But if I never had that memory, if I never had, means I never had that experience, if I never had that experience, if I never had that memory, would I still be the same person I am today? Because everything builds on everything else. Every decision you make is based on something you happened to you, right? Or no? Eh? Or no? What are you talking about? You're confusing the heck out of me. All right, here, let me make it clear. I am in this world but I'm not of this world. Eh? Right? That's what he said. So yes, I was born in a certain place and they keep changing the name of it. But I don't have to be limited by that anymore. I'm still living in this world as of right now because I'm attached to my body. I am, and I've never been any other way, so I don't know the difference. There's no contrast. You don't know what white is till you see black, and you don't know what black is till you see white, and you don't know what color is till you see black and white. <laughs> right? Why do people like to look at black and white pictures? I wondered that. If you have color, why would you ever go back to black and white? But if you ever, I really like black and white pictures. I really do. It's a different kind of beauty, isn't it? Anyways, mm. I'm looking at this beautiful wrapper right now from Premium Orchard. It's a hiker's trail mix. And they have this nice, you know, simple drawing, painting picture. And I feel like I'm there as I'm talking to you. I can see the peaks of the mountains, the rows and, of fruit trees. And I feel like I'm in a peach orchard. I love peach orchards, don't you? And guess what, people? This one is kosher. Mr. Rabbi Yehuda. <laughs> oh, anyways. What was I talking about? Global problems. 
Global Solutions. Yes, I was just watching a video that Daddy showed me today. I was like, oh, this is so awesome. From the new channel, we just found the Hemp Foundation channel on YouTube. And it's under Ethnic uh, Fabrics. So there was this one lady at the flea market I worked at. She had her own store and she was hand making these beautiful African dresses. And she was telling me about the fabric. And I was like, wow, I didn't know. Right? I'm going to have my own fabric fashion line one of these days. I'm working on it. <laughs> Still working on it. I have tons of ideas. I'm collecting. So she tells me about this fabric. She does. And she's like, it's an ancient, it's an, you know, cultural tradition of how they make these fabrics. And they infuse wax into it. So it has a lot of body and structure. I was like, wow. It's like a complete opposite of like, it'd be like tool, you know, you know how, um, what's tool? Tool is uh, 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 if you look under a bridal dress, all right, don't look under the bride. I'm saying, you know, hello. But whatever they make the dress poofy, you know, when you see a bride's dress, right? And it just fans out and it's so beautiful. Well, that fabric that gives it that poof, that body, it has to be, um, you know, um, rigid enough, right? That's tool, like the veil that you put on the face. You know, that's, that's not tool. You don't want to put tool on your face. Oh, tool would be like you put on a hat. You see that little, that visor thing that looks like, you know, a net. Yeah, like a miniature net kind of thing. Anyways, it's just different weaving techniques to give different texture and structure and formation. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> oh, the beauty of nature. Like, did you know that nanotechnology has discovered that shark skin is antibacterial? Like, so they made medical um, screens in that particular geometry, the texture of it, so that no germs can grow on it. They don't have to constantly clean it. Geometry is amazing. And maybe that's why they call it sacred geometry. Yeah. Nanotechnology, they open my eyes, really. Oh, I can't, we're supposedly, supposedly we don't see it. But the concept itself gives you a whole different way of seeing things, you know? Yeah, I'm thinking of my new uh, kindred spirit, Jennifer Frey, that we just heard from yesterday. I was like, dude, she's so, my husband's like, dude, that's so like you. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, if I had not, there was a turning point in my life. Where he's like, yeah, we're old people now. We, we like to talk about stuff that already happened. You know, my kid's always like, what are you guys talking about? You know, mommy and daddy sitting around talking about the old days. And uh, we, we talk about like the pitiful, pitiful, pivotal points of our lives, like the movie Mr. Destiny, right? The pivotal points of our life. If Mr. Destiny movie was true, meaning Every moment in our life could have been a big moment that changed the rest of our life, like every episode of Touched by an Angel. Then those are the moments we like to talk about. Okay, so one of the moments we talked about yesterday would be uh, my entrance into, into World Marketing Alliance. I was the youngest. I wasn't even allowed to go in, actually. <laughs> I was only 17. You can't even get your license until you're 18. 
So I would just hang around. I got nothing else to do because senior year of high school was my loneliest year ever. I'm not going to go into it right now. So, senioritis for real, dude. Especially when you have no friends. Because all my um, I'm mature for my age, I guess. But I usually hang out with all the upperclassmen. And the only person I really knew in my own class was my best friend. I'm not going to name her. Uh, we hang out all the time, and she introduced me to everybody, but then we had this big fallout, and she made my life a living hell. Okay, great. So then, right, senior year. Okay. I, so, uh, these four guys from school, I know them, but, you know, they're my friends, but they don't want to include me into anything. It's like a boys club and no girls allowed, you know? So one day, for some odd reason, he came to my house to drop something off. I don't remember exactly what. That wasn't the point. But when four high school boys are packed in a car wearing white shirts, business pants, and ties, wearing ties, you're like, what, what, are you, what, what what's going on? <laughs> Hello. Hey, where are you guys going? I'm, I need some excitement in my life. It's, I'm about to call it quits here. <laughs> anyway, we're not going to go into that. It was a very low point in my life. Very low point. Okay. So, when it, it turns out to be multi-level marketing, right? My first exposure, right? And it changed my life. And I would have to say, anyways... We're not going to do it right now. No summations. Got it. Practice. I'm practicing telling a story. <laughs> the point of, Oh, my goodness. That's the kid. I can't think. I can't think and listen to these kids. But the point of... Oh, I'll come back and tell you later. Turning points in our lives. I learned a lot from that. It really did. But there's more story to tell for another day. I was the youngest. I love being there. I love see it gave me a a prophetic experience into the future. What do I mean by that? I met there PhDs, MBAs, uh, people who are not just MBAs but are, you know, he's like five years from retiring. He's like fifty five. He's an engineer at I forgot what Howard Hughes or for, I forgot what company he worked at. It, wasn't Lockheed Martin. There was another guy who worked at Lockheed Martin. I'm, I'm, I'm meeting these guys from NASA. I'm, I'm meeting PhDs of psychiatry, psychology. I'm meeting uh, pizza drivers. No, no, they're like, PhD? You know, I'm so, I, I, he's like, I can't even find a job. I have a PhD. He's a Nigerian guy. He, I love him. He was tall. He was handsome. I can't find a, I forgot his accent, Jamaican. He's like, I'm overqualified. He's like, I can't even go to Pizza Hut delivery, which is what PhD now stands for, <laughs> and get a job. That's what is going on here. <laughs> right? I'm in high school getting ready to go into college, and that's what I'm hearing. What should I major in? And the engineer, the marketing director is an engineer. He's been working at, you know, top-notch, Social uh, uh, government contractors, <laughs> right? And he's telling me, don't do it. I'm like, what are you, 
dream killer. <laughs> All my life, I'm working on my SATs. I've been doing National Honor Society. I've been taking my honor classes, AB classes. I was going to graduate college in two years, people. I was rich, hitched, and ready to go. It was a free ride because I was so poor. Thank you for, you know, free rides for poor people who can't afford college. <laughs> and now I'm hearing, you know, things I'm looking forward to spending my four lives, four, next two years of my lives learning. And I got an offer from, at the same t around the same time, after, you know, being exposed to this, from the FBI, offering me a free ride to college and guaranteeing me employment for four years with the FBI, doing genetic analysis the way I wanted to. Or was it? No, no. I was hoping they were going to let me do genetic because I don't want to be out in the field or stuff like that, right? So I was like, yeah, I don't, they're kind of not specific, so I don't know. I'm kind of scared. I don't want to be signing anything I don't know about. You know what I mean? Sign your life away. Sign your life away. No. No more, no more, no more. I wish I'd have been that smart later when I got to real estate, but we'll talk about it later. Anyways, um, yeah, so just me yapping on. Uh, what was I saying? Global problems, global solutions. Stay on topic. Okay, great. This is getting really long. It's like 25 minutes now. Global problems, global solutions. I'm just saying I'm seeing the same Patterns of problems everywhere, whether it be Ukraine or Russia, whether it be China, whether it be people um, arguing about hard feelings, all right, when we can't get rid of the hard feelings within ourselves and our alliances, then, and we're depending on those relationships and alliances, and when, when a threat comes to end those relationships and, and things that we rely on, we see an end to those security things that we're putting in our security circle, oh boy, our whole world starts falling apart. And that's why his word still holds true. you got to have a good foundation. Because my friend, one day that foundation will turn into quicksand, for always was quicksand, we just didn't know about it because we were too light to make any dents. <laughs> I'm talking too metaphorical, I know. All right. You get my drift. I hope so. Anyway, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay, so today is February 25th, 2022. And I just got an ad. I usually don't click on them, but this subject was very interesting to me real estate and free money. Hello, right? Okay. But it's not anything new. It just reminded me of this most important subject that you have money. Okay. This is how the government works. So I'm going to read you a couple of websites and we'll talk about it. But basically, they were talking about... Um, overages or what means like, okay, here's something everybody's familiar with, house foreclosures, right? If you've ever owned a, owned a home, you know you need to pay property taxes, right? Okay, great. So with property taxes, if you don't pay them, they have a right to come and sell your house in order to get their money that you owe them for the property tax. So let's say... You don't pay for your property tax. You owe them $10,000 for the last three years 
or if you exp own an expensive home, it's probably going to be like $10,000 for this one year. Crazy ass. Anyway, sorry. Okay, so say you owe $10,000, but somebody comes by and they're like, I'm willing to pay $100,000 for this house, right? They make a check out to the county that the property's in for $100,000. The county takes the money. They take, but they can't keep all of it because they don't own the house. You do. They can only take what you owe them, which is $10,000 out of that $100,000 check. Well, what happens to the rest of the money? Well, that's supposed to go back to the owner, the 90000 Really? Really? Did you know that? <laughs> so anyways, that's just one form. There's many other forms. I'll, okay, we'll get into it called, okay, so that's the introduction. We're going to go into all the different forms of ways that the county or the state or the federal government might be holding, quote unquote, holding some money that they might owe you. Oh, by the way, you know how the government loves time. So there are, of course, time stipulations on when you can claim your money back. Most states will give you maybe like three years on average for the owner to come back and claim their 90000 but even some states, three in particular, Colorado, New York, Michigan, will not let you come and get back your money at all. They're just going to keep it. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. But most states give you at least one year, maybe two years, maybe three years, depending on how they like to draw up their laws or policies, whatever. Okay. So you get the idea. So you got to watch out for these little time stipulations. And of course, you got to show proper paperwork, legal documents. You know, you got to hire a lawyer because we're stupid, you know. So, yeah, we can't represent ourselves, which makes absolutely no sense to this citizen. But hey, not everybody's legalized. I uh, can appreciate that. Anyways, we'll be right back. And we're going to start with a few of the websites to educate ourselves. Are you interested? I'm going to probably spend an hour on this. And we'll see where we go from there. All right. I think this is important, don't you? The government is holding money that it should be giving to you, but it's not going to facilitate that process in any way, including educating us. Edu educating us, right? Okay, great. So you see how important it is for us to know about these things before we ever sign our life away again in real estate. You with me? Okay. We'll be right back. All right. We'll see how interesting this is because you know I have a short attention span. I got to get through a lot of material. All right. First up, tax lean, spelled L-I-E-N, university. Hold on. I got something at the door. All right, tax sale overages. Free getting started guide to tax sale over bids. Grab your free copy, free download, click here. This article, we're going to pull back the curtains, so to speak, 
exposing dong, 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 millions new window, quite possibly even billions of dollars with what are known as tax sale. Here's a key word, people. Overages, huh? Overages. Tax sale. Here's another word. Overbids. Access funds or tax sale claims. This little known and little understood idea of tax sale overages or tax sale overbids is executed correctly. If executed correctly, if has the potential of providing an additional source of income. Until now, tax sale over bids have largely remained a secret, only known by a small percentage of investors. The truth of the matter is most of the people that do not, I'm sorry, that do know about them have would prefer to keep everyone in the dark, right? So they can sell you courses for $1,500 and call it cheap and doing you a favor. I don't have $1,000 right now, sorry. So I'm going to have to do my own research. The truth of the matter is most of the people that know about them would prefer to keep everyone in the dark so they can cash in called middlemen. Sorry, um, I have a pet peeve about such things. Right? We want honest review. There's no review, so I'm supposed to pay you $1,000 and not know what the heck I'm going to get and get screwed every time? I've done this too many times, people. Too many times. In this article, we will discuss the tremendous possibilities with what are known as tax sale overages or tax sale overbids. Here it is. In hundreds, even thousands of counties. I mean, there are. like It should be like in every county, right? See, here's my pet peeve. Instead of fixing the system... They're trying to hold the information so they can benefit off of it in multiple ways and call it a business and call them self-successful and helping the people by doing well, by doing good. Doing well for yourself by doing good for other people. Okay, but I don't have a $1,000 to give you just for you to teach me something that might work four to five months from now. I don't know, guys. Maybe you guys want to go do it. It's the Bob Diamond program. I don't know. He's an attorney, and you have to do this with attorneys. I've worked for t- attorneys all my life. It's absurd. That's, it's in bold. Yeah, it's absurd, exclamation mark. Okay, we're jumping ahead of ourselves. Go back. Okay. In hundreds, even thousands of counties across the United States are millions, even billions of dollars in unclaimed funds. Dun, dun, dun. Quote, unclaimed funds. Unclaimed funds. Unclaimed funds. It ain't fun when it's unclaimed. According to the people at NAUPA, NAPA, at least $32.877, no, billion with a B, like B billion dollars, 32 comma dot 877, that's just too many dollars, is currently being safeguarded by state treasurers. Oh, yeah, they're, yeah and other agencies for 117 million accounts. Wow. How many people in America is there? In many cases, the people 
who have the legal right to claim these tax sale overages or tax sale overbids don't even know that they are owed to them, let alone, let alone how to get them. But wait, there's more. Where, where, where did all this money come from? And more importantly, why, 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 why are these people not claiming it? This may not come as a shock, but the people who understand the tax sale overages don't want everybody to know the answers to these important questions. That, my friend, is the problem. Hello, anybody? Quote, unclaimed property, unquote. Quote, unclaimed property, unquote. We want you to follow these laws, but we're not going to tell you about them. Okay? And then if you violate them, we're just going to keep your money. You like that? Uh-huh. Unclaimed property, or its more common title of abandoned property, pertains to inactive accounts where there has been no contact with the owner for a year or more. Why are the people who are owed this money not claiming it? That's what I want to know. It's absurd. The truth is they, meaning the people who have this money, really don't want the estranged beneficiaries to have it. Yeah, Uncle Sam. The fact is they would rather keep it for themselves. It's absurd. They want your three years to be over in ignorance so they can claim it. Get it? Got it? Good. Not good. The money belongs to these people, but in my estimation, I'm reading it for Baden people, the government makes little effort to return the money to its rightful owners. Millions of people are entitled to receive this, quote, unclaimed property, quote, or, quote, tax sale overages, unquote, as I like to call it, but the majority of them are largely unaware of this money even exist. Tax sale overages generated from the sale of tax delinquent properties represents a large amount of the unclaimed funds, and that's what Bob Diamond, attorney, was all about. All right. Tax sale overages generated from delinquent properties represent a large amount of unclaimed funds which are continually being transferred to the government and remain waiting to be claimed. Like, an, like a little doggy shelter. You know, the, the little doggy puppy eyes. Oh, please claim me. What's more, nine out of ten times this money is never collected eventually becoming the sole property of the government. Think of it like free money for them. Yeah. Okay, so here's the word, okay? It's, you know, when they, when, at church, when they say, uh, at your word, my soul is healed. Okay, so the reason we can't find information on stuff is because we don't know their word. We don't know what word they're using. So we can't find information about it. This is how they hide stuff from us, right? So Bob Diamond, the new word that I learned from him is right in front of me right now. I try to look for it, like, just by, because he didn't spell it out. It's a cheached. What? I was like, what? Are you easy, cheat? What? I looked it all over Google. Couldn't find nothing about it. But right now, it's right in front of me. Thank you, TaxLeanUniversity.com. Learn tax sale overages. Awesome. Okay, here we go. People... E-S-C-H-E-A-T-E-A-E-D. Like cheated, 
plus an ES at the beginning. S cheated. Okay? What does that mean? I, I don't know about you, but I heard cheated. That's all I heard. People is cheated out of their money. Here's how it works. In thousands of countless counties all across the United States, local governments have millions of dollars in outstanding property taxes. Local governments rely on the revenue generated from the property, real estate property taxes, to fund daily services. This is like using traffic tickets to fund our police, which actually sounds like it might be happening. <laughs> That's why you get pulled over in the beginning of the month and the end of the month, quote of that. If local governments are unable to collect real estate property taxes, they're also unable to fund important government services like police protection, public schooling, and medical services. Okay, here it is, people. Here's the answer, at least from this site, because I was trying to understand, right? This is property tax season. It's coming up for me. Isn't it coming up for you? I know. It is. Every county, every state does it different. They, some of them do it like four quarters, but some of them do like, right? Because they know people don't have money at the end of the year. So they try to make it easier on us. Uh-huh. Right. Whatever. Here's my problem. Did you know that every county calculates their property tax completely different? I did not know this until I moved it to a different state or different county and realized, oh, it's completely different. Yeah. Okay. For example, I'm sitting in a hot tub in Nevada, and across from the hot tub is a guy from California. So, right? Okay, so I know how, say, Nevada taxes work, and California's right next door. You think they'd be alike? No, they're not. They're completely opposite. I have my eye opened by this guy in the hot tub because he, he has a, 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 a house in California, but he loves to go to his house in Vegas, right? And I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. California. Right? I can't touch California. Right? I'm like, you're in Cali. Why would you come here? He was like, dude, do you know... No, I asked him because I, I, right? I asked people stuff. And he was like, no, no, no. Let me tell you about property tax. In California, it's much better because the price you buy it at called purchasing price. So say you bought a house for 100000 which is nearly impossible in California. But if you bought a house for 100000 usually it's like a million, but whatever, in downtown LA, they would calculate your property tax on that 100000 no matter how long you owed it, owned it. So it's constant. You buy, so I'm like, oh, then if I'm a ho- homeowner, I would love, thinking long term, I would love to buy it at a lower rate so that I wouldn't be stuck with paying a higher rate for the rest of the time I own the house, right? That would be the smart way. But now, if you want to come invest in Nevada or Clark County, where Las Vegas is in the middle of, because it's kind of like New York. New York is the biggest, the only thing you need to worry about with New York State, like no, nothing else matters. The same thing in Nevada. It's either Reno or Las Vegas, right? Okay. And which Clark County is like, that's just like huge, right? Clark County covers the entire Las Vegas. So anyways, in Clark County, they go by not the purchasing price, they could care less. They go by current market price. And then they go by your property tax as a percentage of that 
property value. And then they have like little caps to help limit it, whatever, but it still don't help. Because my current, in the last, if, if I checked just in the, the, the dwelling I'm living in right now, the property history tax that was charged for this property way before I even lived here, it used to be in the hundreds. Now it's in the thousands. How does that happen? This is, I'm telling you, FYI, eye opener. Anyways, let's get back to it. People as cheated out of their money. This is how it works. Government delinquent tax auctions. I want to know what my property tax is paying for. If it's going to pay for police protection, shouldn't they put that on my receipt? That's what I want to know. Right? Because when, when I looked at my Maryland tax, property tax, back when I was in Maryland, it would list exactly this is how much your property tax in dollars is. And this is, is if it's like $100 for my, which is never, it's never $100. But if, let's say it's $100. And this $10 goes to police. This $10 goes to public school. This $10 goes to medical services, blah, 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 down the line. I should be able to know what every cent of my property tax is going to pay for to see whether being a responsible citizen, I think that's a good idea. It is of the people, isn't it? Okay, right. Police protection, I think that's important. Firehouses, they work for free. How's that? Right, by the way. Um, public, right? Aren't they like volunteer police department? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. You correct me. I think they should get paid. I mean, they're running into fire. Public schooling. Like moms, they should get paid, don't you think? Like most important job in the world and they don't get paid for nothing? Okay, whatever. And people who are like nothing but bots nowadays called teachers reciting everything from a textbook and cannot leave one word from it or ad lib according to uh, Bush's uh, core curriculum by Bill Gates and Microsoft. I'm not up with the evolution teaching my kids they're an accident and a monkey and there's no purpose in life. Please get in the line to be uh, corporated like a corpse. No, thank you. I'm not for that. You can hype it up with all the orchestra and music and arts you want. But if you're teaching them to think they're an accident and that shit, suicide don't really care, evolution, they're right. You're just from water and pouring over rocks and now you're from a rock. Amoeba. I'm not, again, I'm not for that. Sorry. Medical services. Right. Um, yeah, I'm not in, 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 in favor of uh, negative side effects. Do you enjoy listening to the, all the side effects that comes with curing one thing that you really don't have a big problem with? Like today I saw, do you have bladder control problem? Okay, well, I've had four C-sections, so yeah, I do. <laughs> but no worries. I just got to count to 10, and it just comes out. I don't need to take a pill that will give me all these negative side effects. Because give me one pill that does not give you any, any, any negative side effect from that manufacturing company, Pharma, with a PH. Okay, next. Government delinquent tax sale auctions. To solve this cash flow problem, local governments sell these tax delinquent properties at public tax sale 
auctions. You want the magic word? It's called public tax sale auctions. Public tax sale auctions. Public tax sale auctions. Investors purchase these properties from the county. In many cases, these tax delinquent properties are sold for an amount in excess of the amount needed to satisfy the delinquent debts, taxes. Sorry. In amount, they're sold for an amount in excess, way above what they should be paying. Why do people do this? I don't know, eBay, auction, in excess of the amount needed to satisfy the delinquent debts. I could care less. My neighbor is being kicked out of their house with kids. I just want to steal that house for a steal price. It's worth 200 but I'm willing to pay 140 for it so I can just fix her up for it and live in it. Ah, oh, that is so loving, my neighbor, don't you think? For example, let's say a particular property has 2500 tax bill, $2,000, $2,500 tax bill, and is sold to the highest bidder at the delinquent county tax sale for $75,000. Didn't can you do the math on that? You owe 2000 but this guy's willing to pay 75000 to kick you out of your house. Didn't anybody see uh, Joe, Drew, Drew Carey's uh, Cleveland show back then? He got kicked out of his house. Man, he was telling us back then, dude. Seriously, $75,000 you are willing to pay to overbid your neighbor who's trying to save his house and his family. All he had to do was raise $2,500, bring it to the tax sale so he can claim his house back. But you want to go and pay $75,000 so that the county can make $72,500 in overages. What happens to the tax sale overages or tax sale overbid in the example above? Many states have enacted laws directing the transfer of these funds to the county where they will remain for a period of time. In addition, they are required by law to notify the property owner. Are they? Are they? Yes, the one who just lost their house of these tax sale overages or tax overbids. By the way, this guy, yeah, that's what he did, and that's why you're being kicked out. So sorry for your loss. We'll be right back. It's only so much I can read of this at a time. Have anybody, if you have, please contact me because I don't know anybody who's ever gotten a notification that they have access tax sale overbids, right? Okay. So, but generally, the court will send one and only one letter to the last address on file. Yeah, they're going to try one time. More often than not, the letter is sent to the address of the property that was just sold on the delinquent property tax. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. Um, it's not a housewarming gift. It would be a house goodbye gift. But you're already probably on the streets and didn't get the letter. Too bad. So sad for you. The natural question is why don't these people, uh, gee, I don't know. Why don't these people claim the money? Hmm. The answer is, in most cases, these individuals have not filed a change of address, so they never receive the letter. I don't know. They probably have nowhere to live except in their RV or their car. 
Even if they have received the letter, most are suspicious, even fearful, to respond. Let's face it; they just lost their house. The government that's supposed to what? Just kick them out of their house, right?、Mm-hmm. I'm so trusting you right now. They lost their house for not paying their bills. More often than not, they fell prey to hard times. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, 2006. It couldn't have been. Div- it could have been divorce, job loss, or heaven forbid, your pep- electricity bill just told you it, you need to owe them ten times your normal average rate. Yeah, that's crazy. That's what I said. Serious illness, death, death in the family. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no pity for y'all. No doubt, bill collectors are trying to locate them. Yeah, spam likely every five minutes, and they just want to forget about everything and start over. Yeah, you just vultures everywhere. Yeah, go see the government; they'll help you. Sure. Let's move on. After a period of time, if that money is not claimed, the owner cannot be located. Eventually, these tax sale overages or sales, tax sale overbids, are classified as abandoned. Mm-hmm. Common law defines personal property which has left the possession of its rightful owner without having directly entered the possession of another person is abandoned. After a time, a period of time, the abandoned property is escheated, aka irrevocably transferred to the government. Escheated, e s. C H E A T E D. Did you eat anything? No. Then it would be S T. Irrevocably. What's that mean? You cannot. It. Re. Okay. I R makes a big difference. Revocable. What's vocal? You can say it and change something. I can. I. I, I can go back on my word and, and change what I just said. Right. You can. I can make a revocable trust. I can anytime go in and change the lettering of the trust and change the、uh, conditions of this contract or agreement or trust. Okay, if you put an I R in front of revocable, you have just made it non-changeable. I have just put a zipper on your lips, and you can never revoke anything that is put under this agreement, contract, trust, whatever you want to call it. Get it? Got good. Hmm. After a period of time, the quote abandoned unquote property is escheated, irrevocably transferred to the government. You've abandoned it. You have no say. It's done. Never can you go back on nothing. It's important to be aware that the escheating process will vary from state to state because it is regulated by individual. State laws, you would think, until you try to follow their little breadcrumb. Okay, where one article leads to another. Please refer to that article, and next thing you know, you're playing connected dots, and your brain's going haywire because you're not a legal attorney and you're stupid. Sorry, I'm not stupid. You just guys make things so complicated, okay? And then choose not to educate us and complain about us being stupid. We're not stupid. Stupid is as stupid as. Let's me see how you do, Alabama tax sale overbids, for example. 
in May of each year, Alabama tax collectors sell tax lien certificates, piece of paper, with a stamp on it, to the sealed, to the winning bidders at the delinquent property tax sale. The opening bid is just the back taxes. Okay, they're gonna get their portion whether you like it or not. Anything else is just gravy. If comp is overbid, if competition is steep, so they know they're gonna get overbid. You get it? Alabama employs a competitive bidding system. They love watching you compete. It's almost like gladiators. Well, look at that. Thumbs up, thumb down. Where Caesar? Where Caesar or Caesar? Hello, Caesar. Caesar. Where the face amount? If competition is steep, like a steeplechase. Alabama and the force hurts. You ever heard of an auction, right? They're so fast. They're almost like a negative. You're going to have diarrhea, digestion, and you can't burp, and you can have poo-poo, and you're, what? If competition is steep, Alabama employs a competitive bidding system where the face amount is raised with each successive bid. The original owner has three years to redeem his or her interest in the property. To redeem or recover his or her property, the original owner must tender, tender, Elvis Presley, the amount, like a tender, like a little boat, like a ferry, get it? Must tender, I need to deliver it to you, deliver me, O oh Lord, must tender the original owner must tender the amount the investor paid to purchase the tax lien certificate plus 12000 per annum. How does this make sense? I don't know. The original owner has three, count them, one, two, three years to redeem his or her interest in the property. In order for you to redeem a.k.a. in order for you to recover property, you, being the original owner, must give over to them the amount the investor paid to purchase the tax lien certificate plus 12% of what they paid. Is anybody reading this? So they set up the system so that they would overpay and then you have to go pay that amount just to get your property back. Is this the government efficiency we like? That is my question. According to Section 40-10-29 and Section 40-10-30, after the three-year redemption period has expired, the judge of probate must execute probate. The judge of probate, it's estate law. The judge of pro estate, probate estate, probing me. Stop it. <sighs> After the three-year redemption period has expired, the judge of probate must execute and deliver to the purchaser a deed, D-E-E-D, -E -E to each lot or parcel of real estate sold to the purchaser and remaining unredeemed. So they get the deed. 
if you don't claim it in three years. You don't pay them that money back in three years, they get to keep it forever. In instance like these, it is not usual. It is not unusual. All right, here, people, why am I reading this to you? Because I want you to check your county. And maybe we can all get together and see if all this makes sense. Because Mr. Blue Di Bob Diamond, attorney, is selling his course for $1,500 for everything he's learned. And really, it's in the paperwork. The value is in the paperwork because they make you hire an attorney just to do all this for yourself. Or you can represent yourself and go nuts trying to legalese and write the exact words they want and write, go into prison, get free legal education, come back out and do this. It, right? So his value, he said he went in to every state and got the correct legal documents for each state and county, he says. And that's why he's charging me $1,500 when he's supposedly making tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars on each deal. Okay. All right. That's just doesn't fly with my personal budget because I don't have any. So yeah, see what's in your county and see if something you like to keep for future generations. Eh, that's what I'm asking, right? Because I've lived in my whole adult life in one county, right? I live with my parents, They, right? I, I don't know anything about none of this. And then I grow up, I have to buy my own house. It's in a different county. I learned Oh, laws are different depending on county. And for the first time in my life, I moved to another state. And I was like, oh, laws are different in another state. You know what? That means that if I don't like the rules in my county, I should stay there and try to make a difference, right, first off. But if it doesn't work that way, you've tried everything, and you discover I can move to a different county. The only thing that qualifies me as a citizen of a state is to own property or live as a resident and show proof of residency in that state. And that's what the definition of a state citizen is. It's that simple. I can get a driver's license based on that. They just need a utility bill proving that you reside there. You see that? So why do I need all this hubbub? Why is it when I lo go look into my state and county government, the county refers to, refers to look into state law? And when I look into state Law, each article tells me, oh, by the way, refer to this thing called CRT. What is that? It's either federal, but then it leads you to international law, a.k.a. NATO. Why the heck am I, I'm trying to get county information. Why is it leading me all the way to NATO? That's what I want to know. Who? Who? I don't know. Who? Who? On first. Who's on first? I don't know. I got to take a break. I'm getting too triggered. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Bye. All right. First off, the economic ninja. Thank you for stepping up to the plate. I just found this guy and I'm loving him already. 3.3 thumbs up. And let's hear what he has to say. Entitled, Mortgage Refi Market is Crashing as Internet Rates Skyrocket. Period. Layoffs. Coming. Eh? Six minutes. Let's go. Hashtag gold, hashtag silver, and hashtag economy. Location, location, hey, location. Here. I want to talk about real estate today. Hi. I think this is really exciting, quite frankly, because we're seeing, I've been talking about how mortgage rates have been rising, and they've been rising completely separately from what the Federal Reserve is doing, okay? The Federal Reserve was threatening to raise rates. They still have not raised 
their benchmark rate yet, the federal funds rate, yet interest rates on mortgages have just skyrocketed in the last 60 days, okay? Now, this is going to have a severe consequence. We're going to talk about that. This is out of CNBC. It says mortgage applications dropped to the lowest level in over two years. Now, I'm going to explain. We're going to hit the bullet points, but how this is going to uh, severely, uh, de- you know, severely hurt some people. They're going to lose their jobs. We'll go into that. All right, anyway, key points. Total mortgage applications decreased 13.1% last week to the lowest level since December of 2019. First off, guys, I want to explain something. In 2019, the economy was not doing well. Most people do not understand that. In 2019, by September of 2019, the interbank lending rate had spiked to 12.3 or 5%. I don't remember off the top of my head. That meant that banks, the, the, the situation, the economy was so dire, the banking sector was in so much trouble that the overnight lending rate, the, the rate in which banks figure out, hey, we're going to loan you money overnight so you can settle up with the Federal Reserve to make sure that you have your proper amount of cash, your deposits, versus how much debt you have out, right? It was so bad that that interest rate spiked to 12.5%, which normally it was sitting, I think in those days, uh, I don't know, 4.5%, overnight, uh, because no banks trusted each other. They, they, they did not, so they go, hey, well, I don't trust that tomorrow you're going to be able to pay me back. So I need more interest. That was insane. And then yet a month later, some crazy thing happened, came out of China, changed the whole world, and allowed the Federal Reserve and other central banks to jump in there and give the money, uh, just give tons of money to the banks. Got to make you think, doesn't it? So the point is, by December of 2018, <laughs> things were bad, all right? So this says mortgage applications dropped the lowest in two years. So they were using December of 2018 benchmark it hasn't been this bad since december of 20 or sorry 2019 all right next bullet point the average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed rate mortgage with conforming loan balances which is 647,000 or less increased to 4.06 percent okay that is a lot of money to pay interest to pay on a house that is not it just keeps increasing in value Okay? I want people to understand that in the last 60 days, mortgage rates have went, a conforming mortgage rate, from 3% to 4%, right? And that, now think about this. That's on a house that's probably went up another ten dollars or $20,000 in that amount of time. And your income has not. Okay, so think about that. The people that are buying right now, that are out there, they are panicked and they are not thinking clear. It harkens me all the way back to I just 2005. It says applications to refinance dropped 15% weekly and were 56% lower than one year ago. Now, here is what I want to say. Here are the facts. There are gonna, I said about a week and a half, two weeks ago, when I started talking about the interest rates on mortgages, that the March numbers are going to come out uh, for February, and they are going to be staggeringly low. Staggeringly low. I mean... Nobody is going to refinance. No one's going to refinance unless, and I'm telling you, this is what's scary. If you see people refinance be quiet? from, a, let's say, a three, three and a quarter percent mortgage into a four percent mortgage, I can guarantee you it's only for one reason. It's a cash out refi, and it means they are desperate for money. That is a bad sign as well. So think about this. You are going to have no refis with the March numbers come out for February. The February numbers come out in March. What is that going to do to the mortgage sector? Companies are going to start laying off people in droves. 
And not only that, I mean, you could look at Better.com and, you know, how that CEO just decided on a, a Zoom call to just lay off 900 people nonchalantly uh, during a Zoom call. But I just want people to realize, too, because they were going public and they wanted to clean up their books before they went. The truth is, is that more companies are going to be laying off people because they're not going public like Better.com, but they are hurting for cash flow. Their cash flow is not there if they're not writing loans. So now you have more people laid off, and they're going to be hitting the unemployment. I don't blame them. And it's going to put more of a stress on the economy, and they're going to be spending less because they're on unemployment, right? But what I'm saying is this – think about the narrative this is building month after month as we go into summer. Remember, as we go into summer with extremely high fuel prices, already, right now, $100 barrel of oil almost, high taxes, high gas prices, but we aren't even in peak vacation season. This is literally the perfect storm. Do me a favor, hashtag if you made it this far, the perfect storm. In the perfect storm. Below, along with Ninja Nation. Perfect storm. Because, See, what I always say, Daddy always says seasonal investing, right? So normally as a seasonal investor, you look at all the markets. You look at everything on a global basis. You know, big picture, zoom in, zoom out. And you can see usually if it... If, you know, stocks don't go well, you, you transfer your money to another asset class and another asset class or category, industry, blah, blah, blah. Keep it flowing. But right now, when everything is down and turned upside down and nobody knows what the heck is going on, what do you do? That's where we're at. Perfect storm. I want people to understand this. Not only to, it's not to panic, it should move you to do something. It should move you to save more. It should move you. I guess it's the point where you musical chairs, right? And you're you're the only one left standing with no chair. Not get into debt. It should move you to think farther out right now in the future, and then start to get that shopping list. I want a bigger house. I want a I want a house. Uh, I want a, a a legacy house, a generational wealth home for my family. Maybe a ranch, something like that. Yeah, but you can't predict whether they're going to live with you or not. In my case, they didn't want to live with me, and I... Never mind. You see? Right? It's like, why do you keep talking about one problem? We're talking about real estate, Amy. Why are you talking about another problem? Because it's all interrelated, isn't it? You plan on that big house, but you can't plan on the family dynamics of who wants what. It's just crazy. Something you never thought possible. This is not time for Lambos. It will be. There'll be that day, and we'll be doing videos about it. It'll be awesome. It'll be fun. Yeah, I don't know about buying cars right now because, right? It's like if you are, I, I, I have friends who are used are, are, are car salesmen who told me all the inside story. If you want a good car right now, I can hook you up. But that industry's all effed up too. It's like what? But the facts are, you can't stop what's happening. At the end of the day, you know who's making it hard for everybody? The regulations being made. By people who are not in the industry. Okay, so I call Zappos, right? And they're like, they go with the old, uh, start in the mail room and work your way up. Start at the call center, work your way up. They promote from within. That's great. Can we apply that same model to everything else? Like to rules and regulations? Like if you're not in business, in seafood, and you have no experience in any of that processing chain? Can you stop making rules and telling people what to do who are doing the ding every day? See what I'm saying? How is it 
that I can start an industry along with other like-minded individuals to help save so many people in our area in the United States around the world who are they're constantly telling us, right? What's the government constantly telling us? What's the attorney general constantly tell us on every back of, box of Marlboro and Cools and Newport? Hmm? What do they tell you? It's not good for you. So what does the marketing people tell us or business people tell us? Find a problem. Solve it. That's what I did. And then what they tell me? You're bad. Why am I bad? You're selling drugs to people. Excuse me, can you please define drugs? Because the doctor does it all the time. And they're okay. Well, they're licensed. By who? Well, they got medical certificate and graduate degrees. And they've opened people. Yeah, I did too. It's called Bio 101. I want people to see the big picture. All right, guys? Thank you so much for watching. The Economic Ninja is out. It's all related. But that's all I have to do to what items or items that push the hot buttons of a lot of people are now in the forefront. Abortion, um, same-sex marriage, and whatnot. Um, they're debated, they're in the forefront, but divorce and contraception almost never get talked about. Um, it's, I think, because it's so accepted now that nobody even questions it, including Catholics. But there's a lot to it, and I'll try my best to try to summarize for you church teaching. Again, not my own personal opinion in terms of I'm just going to pick up stuff that I believe and teach you. I believe fully in the teachings of the church. But that's all I have to do to explain it is, is give you what church teaching says on this matter. Is it easy? No. Is it the way to lead us to eternal life? Yes. Alright, Jesus here confirms marriage as being between one man and one woman and for life. He references Genesis. So he goes back to the book of Genesis and he teaches us that true discipleship is not to include concession for weakness. Basically, he's telling them Moses did this because of your hardened hearts. Yes, it's true he did it, but the reason's not really good because you had a hardened heart. So therefore, divorce, basically according to Jesus, is excluded and remarriage becomes adultery. Now let's talk about this. All right, the Greek word, when it's translated here for divorce, means the relinquishment of a legal right. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Now Moses allowed a bill of divorce so that it could provide some legal protection for the woman. So Moses allowed a bill of divorce for a woman so she could be released when a man didn't want to take care of her anymore. Her husband, through a bill of divorce, was relinquishing her right to her. That's the meaning of the word divorce in the Greek translation. And so the husband was relinquishing his right to her. Now another man would be free to marry her and take care of her. That was really what was happening here. 
So Jesus is not really saying divorce is acceptable. He's saying that it was an unfortunate concession. But instead of railing on it, what does Jesus do? I was talking with Father Tyler yesterday, and it's not so much focusing on condemning divorce as it is focusing on the beauty of true marriage. Now, Jesus restores marriage to its original purity and the dignity of man and woman at creation. So in other words, Jesus is doing that. He's focusing on the beauty um, of the original purity of the dignity of man and woman in marriage that was given at creation. All right. So God, he said, join him as one, you know, and you are not to dismiss them, husbands. You are not to, to dismiss your wife um, because then she's not taken care of. And this was the the need for Deuteronomy's directive. That the Deuteronomy directive is what it says Moses said that you could give a bill of divorce. All right, now, in this reading, verse 9 here, Jesus says, What God has joined, let no human being separate. So based on this verse and the catechism, we can surmise that in and of itself... Divorce is wrong, all right, and even sinful according to the catechism. Now, please don't turn off the channel yet. Hear, hear me out. There are always exceptions and further explanations. All right, we're going to talk to you about catechism 2384 and 2385. That basically says divorce is a grave offense against the natural law. I need that. All right. It even says, and I'm quoting the catechism here, it is immoral also because it introduces disorder into the family and into society. This disorder brings grave harm to the deserted spouse and to children traumatized by the separation. Then, contracting a new union adds to the gravity of the rupture, permanent adultery. Now, please hear the rest of this because there are circumstances that divorce is allowed. But it was not intended to be that way, Jesus says from the beginning. Now, Catechism 2386 says this. When can divorce be allowed? Well, the Catechism says it can happen that one of the spouses is the innocent victim of a divorce decreed by civil law. This spouse, therefore, has not contravened the moral law, meaning the spouse has not sinned. Therefore, a there is a considerable difference between a spouse who has sincerely tried to be faithful to the sacrament of marriage and is unjustly abandoned versus one who through his own great fault destroys a canonically valid marriage. Okay, you've heard me use the example of my sister. My sister married for 24 years. All of a sudden, one day out of the blue, her husband announces... He's leaving. He has a girlfriend. And he abandoned her and the kids after 24 years of marriage. My sister didn't go to Holy Communion. 
She thought, I can't. I'm divorced. No, she can't. She is not guilty of sin because he abandoned her. And so the catechism addresses this. So in these cases, both parties might be culpable or liable for a divorce or maybe only one. But there is a party, the catechism says, that somebody is responsible for the divorce. In other words, somebody bears the responsibility. Now, catechism 2383 says, If civil divorce remains the only possible way for ensuring certain legal rights, the care of children, or protection of an inheritance, surprisingly, Divorce can be tolerated and does not constitute a sin, a moral offense. Interesting. Now, I thought it was strange when I had canon law in seminary. Now, I'm going to take you back to seminary here. I thought it was interesting that there was only three reasons given by the catechism that allows divorce. I just read them. Protecting your legal rights. All right. Um. Ensuring certain legal rights, the care of children, or the protection of an inheritance. I kind of thought, gee, what about things like abuse or things like that? So we'll we'll touch on that. Um, well, let's talk about that now. What about abuse? How is a spouse that's under extreme abuse to view divorce? It's very touchy. Canon law. So now we're jumping from the catechism to canon law now. Suggests separation with permission of your bishop, which can still maintain the marriage bond. The hope is that the spouse will change. The spouse will change after this, and reconciliation may be possible, and the marriage will survive. So for these types of situations, they don't always have to end in divorce. It's when divorce happens, usually when, after the separation, the abuser remains unwilling to change. And I probably hear many of you saying, Father, I tried, but the spouse was totally unwilling to change. Now, it has to be also dependent on what you call abuse, okay? Now, somebody's saying, you know, you really frustrate me because, you know, I asked you three times if you could please do this and you didn't do it. That's not abuse. Okay? It's kind of like declaring a boss who asks an employee to do something and then the employee screams, hostile work environment. Sorry, it's not a hostile work environment. <laughs> so we have to be careful here. Don't get too butthurt. Now, true <laughs> sign up for it. Now that's different. Now true abuse. Now that's different. So what does the catechism say? What does the church say? All right. This can be an indication if this is a case where you separate and the spouse is unwilling to change and doesn't care. The church says this could be an indication that there was never a valid marriage in the first place. So a divorce isn't needed, or an annulment would, would clarify that. An annulment is not a Catholic divorce. 
There is no such thing as divorce in the Catholic faith. An annulment says that a sacramental marriage never existed in the first place. Null. Null and void. Annulment. So there, if the spouse separates and there's no change and the other spouse doesn't care, starts dating other people, well, the church says this could be an indication that there was an impediment to having a sacramental marriage or valid marriage in the first place, of not having kids different, I think. which would allow the spouse who had yes, to leave the definition of marriage is, to get I think. An but let him keep going. I'm not, yeah. I, I, I need clarity Very on interesting. this. Yeah. I think it does now let's continue with the canon law. This is 1153. A spouse who occasions, now this is probably the key that most of you have been waiting for. Because I've met a lot of people, unfortunately, that have been in severely abusive relationships. And there are priests out there that tell them that's not grounds for divorce. Abuse. Even extreme abuse. Actually, I was taught that. Thank the Lord I found out that that's wrong. How do I say that's wrong? Because canon law... 1153 says a spouse who occasions grave danger of soul or body to the other or to the children or otherwise makes the common life unduly difficult. Again, again, we have to define difficult. It doesn't mean, well, you just frustrate me. It means either they are forcing you into like grave sin or your spouse wants to um, make you steal at the store or engage in proper sexual activity, things like this. So anyway, if proper sexual at the store or engage in improper sexual activity, things like this. So anyway, if this spouse occasions grave danger of soul or body to the other spouse or to the children, or otherwise makes the common life unduly difficult, it provides the other spouse with a reason to leave. Either by decree of the bishop, or if there is immediate danger in delaying, even on their own authority. Again, I would caution, talk to your priest or bishop. (laughs) I can't choose my own mother. You know, I can only work with her, so it's not, I can't, right? That's a kind of divorce, but, you know, that's another thing I don't believe in, you know, abandoning your family, <laughs> you know? That, that's, so, that's definitely not it. Right? So people think divorce as only in terms of I got into this marriage, but family, that's, a, that's another thing, right? That's kind of on the same level. Like, if you don't believe in ditching your family, you shouldn't believe in... Divorce. If you don't believe in divorce, you shouldn't believe in ditching your family. But then people are like, who's my family? Who's my neighbor? Who's my friend? See what I'm saying? That ain't the question. Something's wrong with your morals. Something's wrong with your principles. It ain't about who it is. People got their, what they call it, patriotism. I don't know what they call it, but you know what I'm saying? It's like uh, they'll treat their friends better than they'll treat their brother. See what I'm saying? Okay. So it don't make sense. 
You go, you go donate money to the church, but you won't give it to your son. To teach him a lesson, let's say. I don't know. You give it to the church, but you won't give it to your whole domestic church. So your neighbor uh -huh. is having to be thrown out on the street because they can't afford their property tax. So you'd rather spend 100000 to buy their house versus give them the 10000 they owe, owe to the government. They only owe a, a, a $10,000. $10,000. If you're so nice, instead of donating to the church, why don't you donate that 10000 to your neighbor so they can stay in their house and help them with their life so they can get back on their feet. If they're having marital problems, counsel them. Let them know they're not alone. It's 2020. See what I'm saying? Okay. People are getting divorced not because they don't love each other, they didn't get married just to say, one day I'm not divorce you. I don't want to think like that about people. All right? So if you intended to stay together, what drove you apart? I'll tell you over the years, surveying everybody I know, 99% of the time, it's economic, financial related. Yeah, okay. Money problems. The second thing is kids. It always happens right when you have kids or right when you have money problems. And you have to find a new normal in your life. Dynamics are different. A kid just it changes everything. Yeah. And now it's like you're living with a different person. But really, you're both being thrown into a, a completely different environment. It's like getting a new job and a different job. <laughs> like a, a totally different job you've never done. You brought new life into the world. You expect <laughs> Gonna be your body's going through changes. We just need to give each other some slack, some understanding, some patience, some love, and most of all, rely on God to get ourselves out of it and not rely on ourselves because that's when we just like we can't handle this. I'm gonna abandon. Why does the people abandon stuff? Cause they can't take it no more. I've been there. I said, remember, I I just kept saying to y'all, you. Ask Jesus. I don't know. Ask Jesus. Every question you get, ask Jesus. I couldn't. I was getting, my, my brain was so hurt. My brain was so tired. Having to have four people talk to me at the same time at all times drove me nuts. You know what I mean? We had to learn a new way to get along. And that process takes a while. And it's like two stones rubbing against each other. At first, you're going to make fire, but it'll smooth out eventually. But in the meantime, don't give up, you know? Okay. Give each other love, understanding, listen more, try to understand. Put yourself in that person instead of just thinking about my situation. It's, my, you, it's me, what you did to me, and it's all about me, 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 me. No, if you do the opposite and the other person does the opposite, that's the way to go. And eventually, you know? Yeah, okay. It's hard to, it's hard for an outsider to help two people having problems. It's hard for a third party to help two people having problems inside their house because they are not with you and they don't know everything that happens. You see what I'm saying? They don't know the full context. And even for them to sit there and listen to you for hours, they still can't do nothing about it. Yeah. Yeah. But they can only, you know what I mean? It. The two people are living together, like you and me, right? Uh -huh. So every day is 
we, we change a little bit. We, we get to know each other's habits a little better. And, and also, we, all our habits are changing because everything outside is changing. You see what I'm saying? Okay. It's constant change. It's constantly having to adapt and get used to stuff and not get upset and, and take it out on everybody else around us. Okay. Like we have always done. It, it happens. And then when, when, when somebody, right? Sometimes I explode. Sometimes daddy explodes. Sometimes you explode. And just when the person explodes, just, you know, understand that it's okay, it's normal. Don't have to make a big deal out of it, okay? Let them explode, vent, get out of their system. I'm down, okay. Don't take it personal. They just have to vent. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But people take it personal. Why are you talking like that to me? You're disrespecting me. You don't love me. You blah, blah. Dude, he just needs to vent. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, okay. I learned that in customer service and in retail. It's like a barista selling coffee. You ever seen someone with no coffee in the morning? It ain't a pretty sight. So when they first come into a coffee shop, walk, working as a barista, you don't get mad at the guy who hasn't had his coffee yet. You just understand he needs his coffee. So you just, you know, hand him a coffee and say, sit down, sir. I hope you're having a good day. If you're not, please enjoy this free coffee. See what I'm saying? Okay. You love your customers, you know? You don't go and arrest them because they're having a bad-ass morning. Delaying <laughs> even on their own authority. Again, I would caution, talk to your priest or bishop to understand what circumstances canon law would allow this to happen. Now, canon law does follow up after this statement by saying it's best to get permission first for a separation. That guarantees safety, okay? It doesn't really mention divorce. Again, because there's no such thing as Catholic divorce. Either there was a valid sacramental marriage or there was not. If there was not valid sacramental marriage, then there's an annulment granted by the church, which means like, there was no marriage. It's like being hangry, right? There's three things that normally set people off. They're hungry, they're sleepy, or they're tired. <laughs> it's, it's like Sims. <laughs> Literally, it's like Sims. Hungry, so sleepy, just, or fatigued. Just cut people some slack. Don't take it personal. Just know they're not having a good moment. And don't take what they're saying like they know what they're saying. You see what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> and then, I'm telling you, my family, okay, aunt number one, it's like at a family dinner, mm -hmm. my, right? Uh, uh, Papa has like four brother and sister. So there's like five brother and sister in this family, right? Mm -hmm. And they're all married. They have kids. And they all like don't like each other for one reason or another. It's crazy. Because of little instances that happen, everybody has pride and the pride gets hurt. And then they don't want to talk to the other person. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, when you uh, Thanksgiving, they just argue. And yeah, man, I'm just like, please, can we not head toward that direction? I don't care where else we go. Let's go. Can we get some love and functionality in here? Formation! That does not make your children illegitimate. Because at the time, there was a civil marriage. You thought there was a sacramental marriage. And the children were conceived in what was to believe to be true sacramental wedlock. So your children are not considered illegitimate. Many do not seek annulments because they don't want their children to be to be considered that. No, please don't believe that. Now, the catechism says, if this doesn't work, meaning 
separation. Then divorce could... Separation? When he just said that? Yeah. Reminds me of purgatory. <laughs> reminds me of purgatory. <laughs> it's like a... Uh, you're not permanently separated. It's like a timeout, you know? It's like you're not permanently separated. It's like a timeout, you know what I mean? Sure. Cool off period, you know? Uh -huh. Self-examine yourself, you know? Look in your eye and see what misconceptions, assumptions, wrong assumptions you have, right? Yeah. Any prideful feelings that might be need to do away with, right? Do an examinated conscience and go down through the list, and it's going to be hard, but then you write it down to help yourself, you know? Kind of sure. like my podcast. Okay. Then divorce could happen for those three reasons I gave. Now, how does this reconcile them? The Protestants have taken that one passage of Matthew. We just read from Mark. But they have taken that passage of Matthew who says you cannot divorce except for unchastity. Protestants have taken that to mean... Oh, my wife was flirting. They have taken that one passage of Matthew. We just read from Mark. But they have taken that path now. How does this reconcile, though? The Protestants have taken that one passage of Matthew. We just read from Mark. But they have taken that passage of Matthew who says you cannot divorce except for unchastity. Protestants have taken that to mean, oh, my wife was flirting with another man. I'm going to divorce. Even, even the act of unfaithfulness actually... You know what's the best way to avoid that? Unfaithfulness in a marriage? Oh. You go all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> if they're usually... Characteristic of an unfaithful person uh -huh. isn't something they come up with in a day. Meaning, they usually have symptoms showing in their personality when you're dating, when you're friends. You see what I'm saying? You see a... Ch a, a, um, a fab... A, a, a hair of disloyalty in their character. Okay. See what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Adultery is like a, a is like disloyalty, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, it's like a, it's like when we ha find a good professional, I stay with that one professional. Okay. Um, you know what? Let me gather my thoughts. Let me gather my thoughts. Straighten your even out. even yeah. the act of unfaithfulness actually. The church teaches Matthew's but you know what I mean, right? statement about... Like somebody who gossips or... or um, I, I just see... I'm just thinking about all my friends that I know what has happened to them over the years, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, back then, I, I just remember their personality, right? Yeah. But over the years, I've seen that what their lives have been like. Okay. Given what their personality was like. So... It's kind of like I have, because I have so many friends and I know what happened to their lives, I have so, I have like guinea pigs, <laughs> you know, where I could look at different Stati examples. Like statistics. Right, statistics, right. Oh. Personal statistics, and, and, and everybody I call, I try to always get to know them and about their life, right? Mm. So yeah, I have a lot of statistics. So, and plus my own family, which is huge. <laughs> <laughs> and so, right, so this is what I see. I'm seeing that. I could, this is, I could pretty much tell 
where you need help from in order to have a good marriage. You know, all the pitfalls, you know, in your personality that will eventually lead to you cheating on your husband or your wife. It's already there. The character, the seed is already there. See what I'm saying? Okay. For example, oh, uh, I, Ben, okay, all the relationship Ben's had, oh my goodness. <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. So, <laughs> one of the girlfriends was like, she had, her best friend was a boy. And she, she saw no problem with sleeping in a bed with him. They're just friends. Well, Ben had a problem with it. But she got upset at him having a problem with it. Do you see this being a long-term problem? Their values, their beliefs are completely at odds. That's never going to work out. No, it did not work out. No, he's never had a relationship that's worked out because he is all screwed up himself. Therefore, rule number one is always get your own ship straight before you want to collide with or, or befriend or wave down other ships. <laughs> Just focus on your own ship. Okay. All right? Make sure your soul, your mind, your heart, your body is all good first <laughs> before you try to go have relationships, okay, with other ships. Because <laughs> I guarantee you it will not turn out good. I have statistics. <laughs> I know, like, the right, right. Okay, so that's that's I'm just trying to save you a lot of heartache here and cannonballs, whatnot. <laughs> All right, pirates. All right. <laughs> there, there's pirates, people. Question is, are you one? Ah! Yeah, aren't we all? Okay, let's keep going. The church teaches Matthew's statement about divorce is not allowed except for unchastity. Doesn't mean what you think. See, if you can admit that you're a pirate, Minnie, if I can admit that I'm a sinner, mm. I'm good. You know why? Because I will watch out to make sure I don't want to be one. It's kind of like, if you know you're in the middle of a war, you're going to try to not get hurt. <laughs> but if you think it's all fair weather, you might get bombed. <laughs> you... you you ain't, you're ignorant. You're like, la ignorance is bliss. It's bloody something. Oh, I don't know why I died. <laughs> okay. Everybody around you going, run. run. Oh, don't worry. It's all good. <laughs> okay, Dora. Hey, hey mommy. <laughs> there was a video about something, something about literally. And someone said, it's just a figure of speech, but when someone said it's fire, there's... <laughs> so I was like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a no joke. They were like, no matter what happens, you want someone to care about you, you, you yell fire, okay? You yell, I'm being robbed down the street, no one's going to give a shit. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you, you yell rape, they're going to run away. You roll in, just yell fire. Don't pay attention. I was like, really? Seriously? Haven't had a chance to try, but okay. <laughs> it's, it's just, it just sounds messed up anyway, you say. <laughs> I know. I, I actually heard it on the True Crime Network. Yeah, it's like, where's the love, y'all? Where's the love? It means. The church teaches that unchastity actually means an invalid marriage. Oh. That's what the church yeah. actually teaches. Chastity means invalid 
Merit. No, Four words to say. Huh? I'm pretty sure you said inches. Okay, let's rewind it. But he's just, he's saying nicely what I was trying to say earlier. But let's just listen to him. The church teaches that unchastity okay. actually means an invalid marriage. Unchastity. Okay, okay. Unchastity means an invalid marriage. Right, because a valid marriage is where you're with that one person. And if you're unchaste, then you're not with that one person. And that would make not one person. There you go. That's what the church actually teaches. Not oh, adultery. There's a veritaserum. Not adultery. New video I want you to see. But an invalid marriage. So they say, the church says, that that couple should split anyway because the marriage was never valid in the first place. Hmm. Very interesting. So I want to finish here with a paper I did in seminary on Mark, which is this passage we just read. Mark chapter 10, verse 1 through 12. I did this paper my third year in major seminary, and I learned so much. I also have a talk here on the, uh, YouTube and Facebook um, about marriage and divorce that you could reference if you want to go into much more detail. Um, I get into convalidation of marriage and consanguity and all the church teaching. So if you'd like to see that, you can reference it. But I'd like to finish with a paragraph that I wrote in this paper back in seminary about this passage particularly about Jesus allowing divorce some people claim but here's what I wrote years ago since hardness of heart and human weakness continues even within the Christian community it seems that the possibility of divorce is also allowed to continue but always with the recognition that it is not necessary because of human failure and never as an automatic right to be justified as a mosaic command. Does this mean that Jesus declares Deuteronomy 24, verse 1 through 4, invalid? That was the passage where Moses said, you shall grant a bill of divorce. Does this mean that Jesus declares this invalid? Uh, okay, I'll go back 20 seconds. That was the passage where Moses said, you shall grant a bill of divorce. Does this mean that Jesus declares this invalid? Automatic right. Years ago. Since hardness of heart and human weakness continues... Even within the Christian community. Hardness of heart. Uh -huh. And what? Since hardness of heart and human weakness. Human weakness. Uh -huh. And hard hearts. What does that mean? Hard heart is one that won't give in, won't forgive. Stubborn. Stubborn, right? Okay, all right, fine. The other one is human weakness. You're tempted, and you can't resist it. I gotta have it. I'll deal with the consequences later. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. Mama.
Yeah. Can you see how they're problems? Chew on that for a second. Okay, what is it? I don't want it. Hi, then don't. All right. Okay? Yeah. So one is too stubborn to change, uh -huh. and the other one is too weak to change. Continues, even within the Christian community, it seems that the possibility of divorce is also allowed to continue, but always with the recognition that it is not necessary because of human failure and never as an automatic right to ignition that it is not necessary because of human failure and never as an automatic right. I don't get that. Divorce is also allowed to continue. It's allowed to continue because it's hard for us to change and God understands that. Right? So he allows divorce to be continued. Is that what he's saying? Okay, hold on. Always with the recognition. But he, he'll allow it, but he doesn't really want it. You know what I mean? If, with, but, 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 I allow it, but you must recognize that it is not necessary because of human failure. That it's not necessary. You don't have to get a divorce. Can you work it out? It's like it's like you t you and Michael coming up to me and going, we don't want to be brothers anymore. Why? <laughs> like, what? Give me a really, really. It's, it better be a really good reason. You know what I'm like. You know what God's like. You know His rules. You, it better be a really good reason, <laughs> right? So there has been really good reasons in the past, I guess. Right? Okay. Uh, a husband, you, you know, situation, right? Just, you're, you can't control what your parents have put yourself, you, you into, right? Society's born with uh, arranged marriages, right? Uh, we, we live in a very free country. We have no idea what it's like to live in a re repressive culture where they treat women like property, where you have no, right? Yeah. You're trying to preach to a people who have no respect for their women, It's a whole different playground. And never. So how can you say God has mercy when, you know, they can't get out of this horrible situation when they first find God, let's say. I don't know. I'm making up a perfectly good example. As an automatic right to be justified as a mosaic command. Does this mean that Jesus declares Deuteronomy 24, verse 1 through 4, invalid? That was the passage where Moses said, you shall grant a bill of divorce. Does this mean that Jesus declares this invalid, that there is no such thing? Actually, no. Jesus doesn't declare it invalid. It was designed to control abuses of divorce and to protect the victims, like we said. If a woman is abandoned, why would a man want to keep his legal right over her? The bill of divorce allowed another man now to marry her, to take care of her. Properly applied, it can still have that function today. A 
the true impact of Mark 10 that we just read is to shift the focus away from divorce texts, like that Deuteronomy 24, and toward marriage texts, the beauty of marriage that we see in Genesis 2.24. So the bottom line is this is a difficult thing in our society today. Divorce should not be given out like a credit card. Divorce is something that should first try to be separation maybe to see if spouses can change. And then if there is a valid reason working with your bishop or priest, then in certain circumstances they can look to see maybe if a valid marriage was not even there in the first place without, as I said, labeling children illegitimate. So is there reasons what? Something about illegitimate children? Then in certain circumstances, they can look to see maybe if a valid marriage was not even there in the first place without, as I said, labeling children illegitimate. Oh. So is there reasons for divorce in the Catholic faith? Yes. But not just because I don't feel like being married anymore. That is not a valid reason. And so please, go to your parish, go to your priest, go to the bishop. Every circumstance is different. Every marriage involves different sets of circumstances. So it's not possible for me to say here that you should or should not be in your marriage or because of abuse or threats to you or your children, you should remain, or that you should go just because you met somebody you like more. We have to be very careful here. Marriage is very sacred. Marriage is a gift from our God. So as Father Tyler said, let us not focus on the negativity of divorce. Let us focus on the beauty of what marriage is between one man and one woman. With committed men for vocations to the priesthood and religious life. May the Lord bless the church with committed men and women. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our world. May Christ's peace touch the hearts of leaders and influencers and lead them to harmony. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord hear our prayer. For parents who lack adequate resources to provide for their children's basic needs, may the Lord bless them with people and means to ease their burdens. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. For all of us gathered here today, that we may be graced with the mind and spirit of Christ, the Son of the living God, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all who have died, may the Lord shine his face upon them and give them eternal peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. For all the members of the Association of Marian Helpers in the Confraternity of the Immaculate Conception, both living and deceased, and for all the intentions they have entrusted to us, 
as well as all those who call or write to us. May the Lord That's faithfully us. hear their prayers and strengthen them in faith, hope, and love. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord hear, our hear our prayer. And let us continue prayers for all those who are peacefully in Canada trying to maintain their freedom. Let's continue Amen. prayers for peace in the Ukraine with the situation with Russia and the Ukraine. Lord. And let us continue to pray for all families that are affected by divorce, that the Lord may Amen. be his healing hand to them. Amen. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord, hear, our, hear prayer. our prayer. Heavenly Father, we place these petitions before you and ask that you hear and answer them in the way that is in most accord with your holy will. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. For this segment, we're going to feature Two Steps from Hell. Protectors of the Earth. One hour. Extended version. Love it. All right. Guild Wars. This will pump me up and give me enough uh, oomph to get through this boring. Nobody wants to know about tax liens. For instance, disposition of excess arising from sale, presumption of abandonment. Indiana tax sale overbids, for example. Got it. All right, let's see how we can get through this boring. Because we're two steps from help, people. They sent us one notice and we probably missed it. So now... Because according to Bob Diamond, money cases are many years old. Like I saw some about 2007, 2019. Yeah. And they like to call the people who has old accounts because by that time they really don't know about it. And it's probably not banks that stole your money. It's still yours. Um, my, mine got stolen by the bank. Yeah, so this doesn't apply to me personally. But So I'm just reading it for info and trying to learn how I can help prevent myself from signing on to a quicksand into the future. Yes, what? Can I have some tea? Tea? Yeah. Yes, go have some tea. I know it is. It's right there on the table. Where? Oh, right there. Generally, the county will send one and only one letter to the last address on file. More often than not, the letter is sent to the address of the property that was just sold at the delinquent property tax sale. A natural question is, why don't these people claim the money? The answer is, in most states, these individuals do not file a change of address. Even if they have received the letter, most are suspicious. Often... They fell prey to hard times. It could have been divorce. 
job loss, or heaven forbid, some serious illness. Times in our lives when we need help most, right? Mm-hmm. No doubt. Bill collectors are trying to locate them. Mm-hmm. And they just want to forget about everything and start over. Let's move on. After a period of time, if that money is not claimed, the owner cannot be located. Eventually, these tax sale overages or tax sale overbids are classified as abandoned. Common law defines personal property which has left the possession of its rightful owner without having directly entered the possession of another person as abandoned. After a period of time, the abandoned property is is cheated, irrevocably transferred to the government. It is important to be aware that the cheating process will vary from state to state because it is regulated by individual state laws. Let's take Alabama tax sale overbids, for example. In May of each year, Alabama tax collectors sell tax lien L I. E-N certificates to the winning bidders at the delinquent property tax sale. The opening bid is just the back taxes. If competition is steep, Alabama employs a competitive bidding system where the face amount is raised with each successive bid. The original owner has three years to redeem his or her interest in the property. To redeem or recover his or her property, the original owner must tender the amount the investor paid to purchase the tax lien certificate plus 12% per annum. According to Section 40, 10, 29, and Section 40, 10, 30, after the three-year redemption period has expired, the judge of probate must execute and deliver to the purchaser a deed to each lot or parcel of real estate estate sold to the purchaser and remaining unredeemed. In instances like this, it is not unusual for tax lien certificates on good properties to be bid up to 60% or more of the property's value. Disposition of excess arising from the sale. Well, according to Section 401028, the proceeds or access funds generated from the sale of real estate remain after satisfying the amount of the decree of sale, costs, fees, subsequently accruing, are to be paid, are to be paid to the owner or his agent or to the person legally, power of attorney, legally representing such owner. Sign this power of attorney. Or into the county treasury. Furthermore, this sounds more, more like Narnia. Seven lords going to the city and the island. Section 401028 says that if such tax sales proceeds, overages, or excess funds 
are not requested within three years after the sale of the property. Such money shall therefore be treated as part of the general fund of the county. In addition, any time within ten years, ten years, minions, what? A flying wheel. Oh, flying wheel. Oh, very good, girl. After. Okay, pretend some more. Thank you. In addition, any time within ten years after the funds have been deemed as part of the general general fund of the county, on proof made by any person that he is the rightful owner of such excess money, order the payment thereof to such owner. His. Heir or legal representative, else such excess funds shall become the property of the county.、Mm, you have ten years. Is that what it says in your county? I don't know. Presumption of abandonment. Furthermore, according to Section Thirty-Five, Twelve, Seventy-Two, Quote. Parentheses A and parentheses property is presumed abandoned if it is unclaimed by the apparent owner during the time set forth below for the particular property. Parentheses thirteen and parentheses property held by a court, government, governmental subdivision, agency, or. Instrumentality. One year after the property becomes distributable, distributable, able, distributable, able. Dot. Un. Quote. For example, if a property was valued at two hundred thousand dollars and had two thousand five hundred in delinquent property taxes, it is not two. Uncommon for the tax lien certificate on that property to sell for seventy-five thousand dollars, especially if the tax sale overbid draws interest. If the tax sale overage, you know, this kind of reminds me of those things like videos on YouTube telling me this celebrity told, sold their house for this much, and but their foreclosure, and that's a lot of exposure, isn't it? I don't know if the tax sale overage or tax sale overbid is not claimed within four years from the date of the original tax lien certificate was sold at the delinquent tax sale auction. Those funds are irrevocably transferred, aka, as cheated to the county. Let's look at another state, shall we? Shall we? Indiana tax sale overbids. For example, let's look at another example using the same figures, except let's say that it took place in the state of Indiana. Banana, Indiana. Anna, Anna, Indy, Anna Jones. Oh, across Indiana County, treasurers sell tax lien certificate. 
at public tax sale auctions to the bidders who pay the minimum bid, being the amount needed to satisfy the delinquent property taxes, or who have the greatest bid in excess of the amount needed to satisfy the delinquent property taxes, depending on when the property owner exercised his whole her right to redeem, the tax lien certificate holder will receive a 10% to 15% penalty on the minimum bid and 10% on the tax sale overage or aka tax sale overbid. If the property owner does not exercise his or her right to redeem or recover the property, then the tax lien certificate holder can apply for the deed to the property, effectively taking ownership of the property for the amount he or she paid to purchase the tax lien certificate. Now back to our example. If the property owner redeems, he will pay a 10% to 15% penalty on the $2,500 in delinquent property taxes. In addition, he will pay 10% per annum simple interest on the overbid amount of $75,000. At this point, the county could send a letter notifying the investor that his or her tax lien certificate had been redeemed and that he or she could receive what he or she paid in to purchase the tax lien certificate plus penalties and interest. Now, back up. Back up. Back it up. Let's say the property owner fails to redeem the tax lien certificate. So what happens to the overbid of $72,500? Well, according to, in kill brackets, I see space 6-1.1-24-6.4 unbracket the county treasurer is instructed to apply the overbid to parentheses 3 quote a separate quote tax sale surplus fund end quote or b the number 1 Owner of the record of the real property at time at the time the tax deed is issued is divested of ownership. Yeah, you lost it. By the issuance of a tax deed. Or number two, purchaser of the certificate or the purchaser's assignee upon redemption of the track or item of real property may file a verified claim for money that is deposited in the tax sale surplus fund if the claim is approved by the county auditor Auditor, audit you, audit. If the claim is approved by the county auditor and the county treasurer, auditor is an OR, treasurer is with an ER. Why is that important? I guess we'll find out. The county auditor shall issue a warrant to the claimant for the amount due. Yeah, you got my warrant. C. 
an amount deposited in the tax sale surplus fund shall be transferred by the county auditor to the county general fund, and may not be disbursed under Section B if it is claimed more than three years after the date of its receipt. Oh, so sad, too bad. In theory, the county. Oh, this is a theory, is it? Oh, yes, it is. In theory, the county is instructed to distribute the overbid to the delinquent property owner. But in reality, it bare—it rarely ever happens. What? Like we discussed earlier, the money is transferred to a temporary tax sale surplus fund. Okay, unquote, where it waits for a period of time for the owner of the divested, D-I-V-E-S-T-E-D, opposite of vested, <laughs> owner of the divested property to come in and claim it. Yeah, sorry, ding. If I had a button, I'd press it. Yes, the county did try to contact the owner by sending one letter to the address on file. However, more often than not, that address is the address of the property they had that was sold at the tax sale. How can you expect them to resave it? The delinquent owner is most likely not there and has moved on. In addition, he most likely did not complete. A change of address, because he has nowhere to go. According to the Indiana Banana Statute, I see six dash one dash one dash twenty four dash six point four unquote. And bracket, the excess overbid funds are escheated, irrevocably transferred to the county for three years time. Wait, you transferred it? Oh, after three years time. You only have three years. Try doing that. But there is a silver lining. Oh, please! I need one right about now. Thank you. So timely. Interwoven in all this misfortune is an incredible opportunity for me to somebody else. Imagine receiving checks for simply connecting a strange property. Here it comes, beautiful sales pitch. For simply connecting, what am I doing wrong? We're just simply connecting a strange property owners with the tax sale overbids or tax sale overage, which the county is holding on their behalf. Okay, well let's hear it. Here's how it works. Uh huh. Working from home or mobile office users scan the county records. Uh huh. Finding large amounts of tax sale overbids or tax sale overages due these delinquent property owners. Uh huh. Using ah oh, powerful ah oh, research tools. <laughs> Simplifies the process of locating to individuals entitled to receive these tax sale overbids or oversale overages. <laughs> Once contact with a person who is entitled to receive these funds is made, the searcher. There's a movie about that. The searcher enters into a special quote quote special contingency fee. Agreement, SCFA, unquote, drawn up by an attorney. 
with the delinquent property owner who has legal claim to these tax sale overages for the tax sale overbids. Wait a minute, what this means is that the searcher works on a contingency fee basis. So if unsuccessful in recovering the tax sale overbids or tax sale overages, there is no free. I just did everything for free, not fee. Oh, that reminds me of fiat. Finally, such using, finally using, quote, special limited power of attorney, SLPA, slapper, unquote. Finally, using a special limited power of attorney, also drawn up by an attorney, the oh, conflict of interest, aren't we? The searcher works with the county, screw you, completing all the necessary paperwork needed to transfer, deposit, and disperse the tax sale overbids or tax sale overages according to the terms of the quote special agreement. Unquote. Everybody should be happy. Are you? Are you? The delinquent property owner gets the money the county is holding for them. Money they most likely never knew existed yet desperately needed because you'd take me out of my house. And the searcher receives a handsome payment for helping them complete all the necessary paperwork to claim and collect these funds. Yeah, they're collecting 30%. It's a 40%. A realtor only makes six. The searcher is nothing more than a claim processor working tirelessly. Tirelessly. Why are they working so tired? Why is it so hard to recover the tax sale overbids or tax sale overages due the estranged claimant? In exchange, the searcher could receive a handsome reward for their hard work. Why do they have to work so hard? Why is the county making it so hard? It's exciting, isn't it? It's like a roller coaster in here. Yeah, okay. It's exciting. What's exciting is that this is the type of business which can be accomplished from the comfort of a home office. Dude, I just got kicked out of my home. I guess it will be okay for me to stick there with my RV. It's not right, but it's okay, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? working just a couple of hours a week, you know, because most of these owners got foreclosed because they work free and clear. <laughs> that is the punchline, you guys. That is the punchline. You were free and clear, got thrown out of your house for whatever reason, but don't worry. Get in your RV. Pay him $1,000 to help you. It's not an MLM. You think it, they, it, right, I know it sounds like it, but even better, searchers can sleep at night knowing they're helping people who've fallen on hard times get back on their feet. Should I do this, people? If I did this, would you, would you, would you, would you want to be my first customer? It is estimated that all across the country, there are billions of dollars sitting on the county coffers Coffers or coffins? Coffers waiting to be claimed. What's more, most of the time this money is never claimed and is, and is as cheated to the county. A word of caution, please.
in an effort to regulate tax. Oh, there's regulations, people. Regulations. We're three quarters done with this article or this particular page on tax sale overages in the learning department of the taxleanuniversity.com if you're just joining us as we continue. In an effort to regulate tax sale overages, state legislatures have passed strict laws with respect to tax sale overages and tax sale overbids. Many states have passed laws that put increasingly strict, strict requirements Strict requirements on the process. That's why it takes them so time. Why is it so strict? For requesting the funds, while other states have passed laws that place a limit on the amount a finder's fee agents can receive. Yeah, 10%. They limit it to 10% so that's not such a gold nugget for them to try to work for you. Get it? Can receive when assisting in funds recovery business. In the state of Washington, House and Senate legislatures passed the House Bill 2428, which prohibits businesses that provide the service of matching unclaimed property, i.e. unclaimed proceeds from property tax foreclosures, assessments, and liens held by the counties, cities, and municipalities, while the owners of the property from charging fees in excess of 5% on the value of the property that is returned to the owner. With the owners of the property from charge. And why do the guys have to make it so complicated? In the state of Washington, House and legislature passed a bill that prohibits business. Okay, if you're a business, you're being prohibited. If you're a business that is doing this business of match, matchmaking unclaimed property to the proper person, all right, if you're in this business, the House of, the, the legislature of Washington, D.C. says that regarding your business, that, which provides businesses that provide the service of matching unclaimed property with owners of the property from charging fees, wow, 5% five, 5 according to this website. You can't charge anything more than 5% of the value of the property that is returned to the owner. Yes, see. So that is why Bob Diamond says he has, for beginners, 18 favorite states that most likely will match his 30 to uh, allow him to charge his 20, 30, or 40% fee. Interesting, ain't it? Very We're almost at the end, last two paragraphs. Under the new legislation contained in HB 2428, the Washington State Attorney General may bring an action. Oh, call the action button. The AG may bring. This is in Washington State may bring an action to enforce the provisions of Consumer Protection Act, CPA, the provisions of Consumer Protection Act, under the Consumer Protection Act, the Attorney General may bring an action to enforce these provisions of the Consumer Protection Act. Furthermore, the Consumer Protection 
Act, under the Consumer Protection Act, a person may bring civil court action if the person is injured in his or her business or property. What does that have to do with anything? The court may, at its discretion, increase the award of damages to an amount not to exceed three times the actual damages sustained. You can get three times? It is necessary to, that's a lot of motivation. It is necessary to ensure compliance to state and local laws governing the, quote, tax sale overage and tax sale overbid recovery, unquote, business. In conclusion, I would like to offer a word of caution. When it is while it is possible to make a lot of money in the tax sale overage or tax sale overbid business, it is important to consult with a legal professional to ensure compliance to all laws with respect to tax sale overages. So you're smart enough to pay me $1,500, says Mr. Bob Diamond, but you might not be smart enough to be a lawyer like he is. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining this episode of Javan Gurman on Up, where we are always doing something unexpected but yet pertinent. Don't you think so? If not, let me know what you like to listen to because right now I like to survive. Hello. <laughs> okay. Groovin' on up. Groovy. Uh, Celestior at gmail.com. Love to hear from y'all. Thank you so much. One final two steps from hell. Isn't that the Rocky theme at the end of Rocky? No? Okay. All right, bye. All right, introducing a blast from the past. We are for our social studies class today, exploring Richard Nixon. Richard Nixon on Wikipedia. Milhouse. Richard Nixon, no, Richard Milhouse Nixon. Okay. Born January 9th, 1913 to April 22nd, 1994. He was the 37th President of the United States and serving from 1969 to 1974. He was a member of the Republican Party, who previously served as a representative and senator from California. Sonny. Sonny Nixon. Sonny. Thank you for the years that went before. And was the 36th vice president. Oh, he was vice president before he was president in 1969. Why is that important? I don't know. King of 69? Uh, that was a flavor I made up for myself because I only make my own stuff. I don't smoke nobody else's stuff. Would you try other people's? No, no. Serving from 1969 to 1974. Before that, he was a member of the Republican Party, who served as a representative and senator from California and was the 36th vice president from 1953 to 1961. His five years in the White House, five years, saw the end of the U.S. involvement in the Vietnam War. 
detain ten the tenten what the they tente oh they tente with the Soviet Union and China. Hey, yeah, that's relevant to the day. With the first man manned moon landings. Oh, that's under Nixon. Moon jokes, butt jokes. Hey, I always like a good butt joke. And the establishment of the OEPA. Well, look at that. That's something else to put on your dartboard. EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. Post it that. Nixon's second term ended early. Oh. Uh-huh, that's how the five years comes in. Just one pinky. Okay. When he became the only president to resign. Huh? Sounds like a pope. So only president to resign from the office. From office. Following the Watergate scandal. Oh, yeah. No, I visited the Watergate. I was there. A very beautiful hotel. See, right in the middle of Washington, D.C. Yeah. If it's a party, they have many of these parties over there. Yeah. 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 Servants of hotels, they see much, you know. Nixon was born into a poor family of Quakers. <gasps> Oatmeal? I love some every morning. Grits, not so much. In a small town, in Southern California, I got to get some Hotel California in here. We'll be right back. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Hotel California. It's a lovely place. It's a lovely place. Such a lovely face. Get your ears down to the Hotel California. You can stay a while, but you can't ever leave. Okay, that's enough. Yeah, don't want no... Yeah, can't never leave. Can't never leave. He graduated from Duke. Oh, remember Dukey and Lukey and... Yeah. Duke Law School. Law School. He's a lawyer. Well, I guess you got to be a lawyer to be a politician. That's what they say. It don't make no sense to me, but whatever. All I know is a lawyer's all my life. He graduated from Duke Law School in 1937. He practiced law in California, then moved with his wife, Pat. Oh, my goodness. Is that right? Who's Pat? I know who's Pat from Saturday Night Live, or was it Living in Color? I don't know. I prefer Living in Color, but remember Pat? Yeah, nobody could ever tell if Pat was a woman or a man. The way Pat dressed with a belt and a shirt and the pants, but then nobody ever, right, Pat? Remember Pat? Anyways. Practiced law in California, then moved with his wife, Pat, to Washington in 1942 to work for the federal government after active duty in the Naval Reserve during World War II. He was in the Navy, was he? He was elected to the House of Representatives, like McCain, in 1946. His work 
You know what? This reminds me a lot of about Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping is a military general man. You can see it in his history. That's all I know about him. Okay. 1946. His work on the Algier Hiss case. Hiss. Like S's. Really? A-L-G-E-R-H-I-S-S. It's a head case, all right, because I would just kiss it and not hiss at it. Why would you hiss at it? What is this Algier? I don't know. Sounds familiar, though. You want to click on it? I can hover. Let's hover. I love hovering. We just watched the movie Click yesterday. Hilarious. If you need a comic relief break, definitely recommend that. Adam Sandler! Algier Hiss was an American government official accused of... In 1948. Well, that's way before these. No, it's about the same time. Oh, okay, 40s, whatever. 16, what happened to 69? Okay, whatever. Anyways, in 1948, Algier Hiss, an American government official, was accused of having spied for Soviet Union in the 1930s. What is this, a Mission Impossible episode? Sounds like it. Statute of limitations had expired for espionage. Oh, statute of limitations had expired. He had been accused, but time's up. Ding! Saved by the bell. But he was convicted. Uh-oh. Of perjury. What is this, The Last Castle? Maybe. The movie. In connection with this charge in 1950, before the trial, Hiss was involved in the... Well, too bad. It was a summary. Anyways, his work on the Algier Hiss case... Okay, so... Okay, so Nixon is linked to that case. Uh Uh-huh. Get it? Okay, keep that in mind. Anyways... Nixon's work on this Algier Hiss case, hit case, established his reputation as a leading anti-communist. Oh, really? That's the banner over his head? Interesting. Like, you know, Karate Kid, where you put a banner over your head before you do the crane kick. Anyways, his banner says, anti-communist. Not only am I anti, I'm leading it. Okay. Which elevated him, going up, to national, national, spelling bee, no, national prominence in 1950. Yeah, that's way before my time. He was elected to the Senate. Senate. Senate? Cesar. Nixon was the running mate, uh-huh, of Dwight D. Eisenhower. What's a D for? Donald Duck? Maybe. I don't know. Uncle Scrooge? I don't know. D-D-A. D-D-E. Dwight D. Eisenhower. The Republican Party's presidential nominee in 1952. Election. And served for eight years as vice president. He served as vice president for eight years under Eisenhower before he ran for president in 1960. What happened in 69? Anyways, narrowly lost to JFK. Narrowly lost to JFK. 
then failed again. So he lost, right? Did he lose or not? Hello? I'm reading this verbatim. I'm confused. It says, quote, he ran for president in 1960, comma, narrowly lost to JFK, John F. Kennedy, comma, then failed again in 1962. Race. Race for governor of California. This guy's failing a lot. Was he like a Lincoln? Anyways, in 1968, oh, that's close to 69, he made another run for it, for presidency, and was elected. Well, that was a 20-year run, wasn't it? Long? Uh, he was elected and defeated. Who? Hubert Humphrey. W-M-A. I don't know if it's the same one. I doubt it. I mean, there's a lot of Hubert Humphreys, aren't there? I don't know. But that's the one I'm personally connected to in my history. I saw him on stage, Hubert Humphrey. Before that, it was Prime America. After that, it was PFA. No, he wasn't in PFA. No, that was his rival. Somebody under him came out and did PFA, and he got all upset about it. Anyways, something about some legality, and then they were like, you can't do no life insurance for like 10 years. So now he's back with HGI. But I don't think this is the Hubert Humphrey we're talking about. Okay. Because he wrote the, you know, Bible on World Marketing Alliance. But this is Horatio. Oh, CSI Miami. I love Horatio. And Shakespeare. Hubert Horatio Humphrey. Junior. Junior? See, I told you there's a lot of juniors, right? That I think the Hubert Humphrey I knew was like a junior. He looked like Nixon. He did. Was an American pharmacist. Oh, boy. One of those. And it was a politician. Ugh, great combination. Not. Who served as the 38th vice president of the United States from 1965 to 1969. He twice served in the United States Senate. Twice representing Minnesota. Oh, boy, Minnesota. From 1949 to 1964, he almost made it. And he came back in 1971. So he missed the whole 64. Okay, that's just, so he, okay. So from, so, okay. All right, let me get this straight chronologically. Okay, all right, y'all. I don't understand why people just can't make a simple chart and make it chronological, okay? This whole back and forth thing is in and out, in and out. Driving me nuts. Anyways. If we go by the first date, <sighs> caught me confusing. Okay, in 1964, he started representing Minnesota all the way 49, 50, 60. That's 49, that's 56, that's 11 years plus 4, is 15. 15 years he served as a representative of Minnesota in the Senate. Got it? Okay. Then he became vice president from 65 to 69, which is four years. Get it? Okay. One term. Got it. Okay. Then he moved back to being a Minnesota state representative. Because why? He did such a great job. 
I don't know, but then he stayed until 1978, which is seven more years as a senator. All right. Can anybody attest that he did a great job? I don't know. I'm too young for this. Okay, bye. Defeating. In 1968, he made another run for presidency and was elected, defeating Hubert Humphrey and George Wallace. Oh, Braveheart. No, George Wallace. Okay. Braveheart stuck with George, the bushy Braveheart guy. Okay, whatever. In closed. Close contest. Okay. Anyway. Uh-huh. Who's just George Wallace guy? It's a, that's Corley. Corley? At the core of it? Is he? There's no... Well, it's core, but he put an L, like a staff, in between the R and the E. Why? I don't know, but that's the last one. Corley. George... Corley, C-O-R-L-E-Y, Wallace, Jr., another junior. He was an American politician who served from the 45th governor of Alabama for four terms, a member of the Democratic Party. He was best remembered for his staunch segregationist and populist views. During his tenure, he promoted industrial development. Lo and behold. Anyways... In a close contest, they're done. Nixon ended American involvement in Vietnam. Ooh, lights on. Good morning, Vietnam. I don't know. I, I, I know I didn't do it justice, but cheers, Robert. Robin? Robin. Robin. Secret Gardens. Good morning, baby. What does that have to do with anything? I don't know. I was trying to find who was Richard Nixon's running mate for president. But they still haven't gotten to it. Something about impeachment, though. And a Yom Kippur war. And Eric and Gerald Ford. I'm still waiting for someone to tell me about the Ford car made of hemp. One car can be, like, it looks exactly like your car you're driving today. Okay? Doesn't look green. It doesn't look, no, it looks like the car you're driving today. Go look it up on YouTube. Go. Go. Have fun. Just type in Henry Ford hemp car. Ah, uh-huh. that's not something I can tell you over the podcast. I've played it for you before, but I don't think you caught it. All right, go have fun. Bye. I gotta take care of these little thingies. All right, the search continues. Next stop, classroom.synonym.com backslash Richard M. Nixon's running mate. All right, Richard Nixon. Richard Milhouse Nixon ran for president three times. Interesting. And had two different running mates. Uh Uh-huh. First is Henry Cabot Lodge, Jr. Why? For his unsuccessful 1960 campaign against JFK and Spiro Agnew, A-G-N-E-W. For his two successful runs in 1968 and 1972 against Hubert M. Humphrey, and George McGovern, respectively. The Republican president also had two different vice presidents served under him. Well, isn't that interesting? Learn something new every day. So, who is this Mr. Who's on a first, who's first on the chopping block? Yes, Chef. While I'm watching this awesome video about somebody mixing olive oil with, oh, that looks like avocado. I love avocado. Okay, sorry. 
One, two. Okay, okay, we only have two things on the chopping list. Political, keeping in mind. Okay. First off, Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. Nixon had attended Duke University's law school, but had spent his political career in the legislature in his home state of California. Henry Cabot Lodge Jr. is a senator from Massachusetts and U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, as well as Germany. Ah, boy. And elsewhere, uh huh, appealed to a region of voters generally inclined to vote for Democrats. Really interesting. Lodge also had a record of distinguished service in World War II, uh huh, in which he was a lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. What does this have to do with Henry Cabbage Jr.? I wonder. I don't know. It's confusing. Number two, Spyro Agnew. Well, ain't that an interesting name with an interesting cross for a middle initial there? Spyro, S P I R O, middle initial T, last name A. G-N-E-W, was serving as governor of Maryland, really, my Maryland, when chosen as Nixon's running mate in 1968. Ah, so close. Nixon believed Agnew could appeal to Southern voters and naturally, Neutralized, neutralized the threat posed by George Wallace. George Wallace. As the former governor of Alabama ran for president as an independent candidate in November of 1973. During Nixon's second term, Agnew resigned while facing charges of tax evasion and taking bribes from governors. Well, isn't that suspiciously uh, not okay? Like, that's suspicious for not the reasons you might be thinking of. Anyway, eventually, uh uh-huh. Then... House, the house that was then, uh huh, of Representatives Minority Leader Gerald R. Ford. Can you afford that? Can you? Gerald R. with a G E R A L D. Because I have a cousin named Jared, but it's not G, it's J. Javine. Who had long represented Michigan? Ah, there's Michigan again. In the U.S. Congress, became Nixon's second vice president. Well, isn't that interesting? He assumed the presidency in August 1974 upon Nixon's resign. Okay, bye. All right. Up news portion of our event today. We have.
1981, Our Lady came to Earth with an urgent message. The first words to the six visionaries was peace, peace, and only peace. Peace must reign between God and man. Keep our priorities straight. As the world has suddenly gotten more dangerous, it is now clear why Our Lady has come as the Queen of Peace. As tensions rise between the United States and Russia over activities in Ukraine, talk of world wars suddenly does not seem far-fetched. The danger is real. 150,000 heavily armed Russian troops have just invaded Ukraine. A year ago Vladimir Putin warned a group of Western journalists, hey, you people in turn do not feel a sense of the impending danger, this is what worries me. How do you not understand that the world is being pulled in an irreversible direction? I don't know how to get through to you anymore. Russia and Ukraine are now engaged in a major conflict that ultimately could lead to a sequence of unpredictable events. China and Taiwan, Israel and Iran all appear ready to settle some scores. Here at Mystic Post, we find it fascinating and important that Catholic prophecy predicted many of today's unfolding events. Events that are not just matters for secular historians to unpack, but the future of Christianity itself is mysteriously tied to Russia and the Virgin Mary. At Fatima, Our Lady warned the world that Russia would error if certain actions were not taken. This error turned out to be atheist communism. Lenin himself said that the goal of communism was to rid Christianity from the world. And he put in motion the most direct attack on religion in the history of the world. Fatima's secrets mysteriously spotlighted Russia's central role in Our Lady's prophecies concerning future events that we are seeing unfold today. Vatican insider Father Malachi Martin claims to have read the third secret of Fatima. He kept his oath to never disclose its full contents, but in a radio interview with Art Bell he had some extraordinary things to say about the third secret, Russia and Ukraine. In the radio interview he said, Sister Lucia's single-page letter of the third secret covers three topics. 1. A physical chastisement of nations. 2. A spiritual chastisement. 3. The central function of Russia in the two which in fact, the physical and spiritual chastisements are to be girded on a fateful timetable in which Russia is the ratchet. In Malachi Martin's book, The Last Prophet, he wrote that the third secret will involve Russia and Ukraine. He said, Russia's role in the vision of Fatima is very important because if we're to believe the vision of Fatima, salvation for the world, the cure for the world ills, will start in the Ukraine and in Russia. And that was why the Virgin in the Fatima vision of 1917 was supposed to have spoken actively about Russia and that Russia first of all has to be cured of her errors and then she will help the entire world to get better and to cure itself of its sins. It's a very bizarre message in that sense because one would have said that salvation was going to come from the West as we always think because we are Westerners, but no, according to the message of Fatima, salvation will come from the East, and particularly, from Ukraine and from the state of Russia itself, which is extraordinary. Are today's events in Russia and Ukraine a sign that the world is heading towards the fulfillment of the Fatima and Majigori Russia prophecy? On all 
August 25, 1991, Our Lady said that Lajigori is the fulfillment of Fatima. On May 13, 1981, at the height of the Cold War and atheist communism, the Soviet Union attempted to assassinate Pope John Paul II. A little over one month later, on June 24, 1981, the Virgin Mary began to appear to six children in Lajigori, in the communist country of Yugoslavia. Then in October of 1981, Our Lady of Medjugorje revealed her Russia prophecy which ties Medjugorje to Fatima in a powerful way. She said Russia will come to glorify God the most, the West will make civilization progress but without God and will act like their own creator. Pope John Paul II had this to say about Medjugorje, Fatima and Russia, look, Medjugorje is a continuation, an extension of Fatima. Our Lady is appearing in communist countries primarily because of problems that originate in Russia. According to John Paul II's close confidant, Bishop Nilica, soon after the events in Medjugorje began, the Pope understood that Our Lady would be central in the fight against communism, and that this would be the mission of his pontificate. This understanding would lead to the consecration of Russia on March 24, 1984. After the successful act of consecration of Russia, what followed was an astonishing sequence of events as atheist communism collapsed. The Berlin Wall fell and the Soviet Union's flag came down on Christmas Day 1991. So fast forward to today's rising tensions between the United States and Russia and again we see that the prophecies of Fatima and Medjugorje continue to be relevant by accurately predicting the future in an unprecedented way. Few would argue that world elites from the West, including the United States, are building a future without God. What is less well known is that Christianity in Russia has experienced a mysterious revival. Now Putin lectures the United States for abandoning its Christian roots. He said, we see in Europe and the United States that they take in the way where they deny their own roots including their Christian roots which form the basis of Western civilization. Faith in God is equal to faith in Satan. As the fulfillment of Medjugorje's Russia prophecy seems to be unfolding has the future arrived. Are we now entering the long-predicted second period? Have we reached the time of the Ten Secrets? God bless and thank you for watching Mystic Post TV. All right, let's, I'll be back with some headlines. All right, everything, there's so much to see today, so I'm just going to give a quick table of contents of, oh, stop, 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 too many things. I had to open so many windows, so there's too much going on. First up, uh, Divine Mercy, uh, explaining the faith new today, that's what I've been waiting for, we get it once a week, and then we got the, you know, once a month. Anyways, um, explaining the faith, why penances, understanding Lent, fasting, almsgiving, a.k.a. Ash Wednesday, which is, I think, today. Was it today or this week coming up? This week coming up. So, church news, I would file that under, but I'm looking at my notifications, and there's a lot of stuff I don't watch. All right, so we're just going to go quickly down the line. The latest one is first. Latest is first. Last is first. 
Adam Snyder uploaded 4,200 tax credits. Stimulus update: Russia, Ukraine war news. Reporting: February 26. Beep. Derek Prince uploaded: Living by faith. Derek Prince. Beep. Nam Nam, the clumsy chef, uploaded. Today, fence, dismantling, and removal. Parliament Hill. Well, that's interesting. I want to click on that. The economic ninja uploaded. Ukraine and Canada just told us to get our money out of the banks. Bank run. Crypto exchanges right now. That was an hour ago. I so want to hear that one. What's up? I love economic ninja already. Beep. Rasai broadcasting live. President Donald J. Trump speaks at CPAC. Day three of CPAC 2022 in Orlando. Shout out! February 26, 2022. Christ forgiveness, David. National repentance prayer service. Woohoo! Shout out. Beep. EWTN uploaded daily mass. No worries. I think they had a better one titled. Hold on. Okay, crush. My lover has become my enemy. My girlfriend is an agent. <laughs> hey, that's already been done. I recommend watching My Wife Is Gangster Part One, Two, and Three. Korean movie that. Beep. CNBC uploaded why the future of the Oscars and Emmys might be in jeopardy. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Beep. Andre Rio uploaded, "Of、oh, Fortuna in Sydney, starring Andre Rio." Yeah, you'd rather listen to him than me, right? I'm sure. Beep. Sanctuary, Notre Dame, the Lourdes is live. La Chapelette, the Lourdes, do yes. All right, hold on one more second. Let me read this really interesting one, which I really want to watch first, from our favorite Chris Chappell. Boop. China uncensored uploaded. How Nixon in China betrayed Taiwan. No worries, I did my Nixon homework just now. We're all good to listen to that. Boop. Servant of Christ uploaded. Prophecy came true regarding the war between Russia and Ukraine. Saint Michael to Lutz de Maria. Beep. Holy Mass. Beep. At Divine Mercy. Holy Mass for National Shrine on Divine Mercy Channel. Live every day. Be sure to check that every day. Beep. Karate Dojo Waku. Premiering now, Japanese karate sensei reacts to the best of the best. Part one, no, one part two for the first time. Oh yeah, I'll check that out. Maybe seek beep seeking saint seeking sainthood uploaded demonic manifestations. Father Ripperger and Kyle Clements. Oh okay, beep. All right, thanks for now. Oh, one more, one more. Rome boys uploaded. What's up? What'd you kind of talk about? 
getting to know Chris, the entrepreneur. Oh, okay. Beep. One more. Russian CBS morning news uploaded. Russia launches artillery and missile attacks at Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine. We have arrived. Also, second video, Russia. Russian cyber crime groups target Ukraine allies? Is that true? Beep. Okay, bye-bye. So today we go back to seminary so that you can have a great Lent. I know that sounds weird. Usually it's all gloomy. No, there's a lot of so much good there. So let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, Father and of the Son, Son and of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Amen. Father, we ask you to send the Holy well, Spirit down upon us so that we may open our hearts. To uh, backdrop because it's so nice and so gentle, and I wish I was there right now. To understand this gift you give us in prayer, fasting, almsgiving, that we may have a good Ash Wednesday, a good Lent. And purify ourselves to be ready to enter into your glory. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so most of you know Lent starts next week already. So it's coming. Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. But what's interesting is more people go to church on Ash Wednesday than they do regular Sunday. Actually, Ash Wednesday is not a holy day of obligation, but every Sunday is. So people will go out of their way to get to Ash Wednesday, which is good. Yeah, I want to get marked with ashes. Mark that. But then they won't even go to Mass on Sunday, which is not good. So we need to get prepared. And so we're going to talk about this. Now, Lent coming up. Ash Wednesday, as you all know, begins Lent. And Lent is a preparation, obviously, for Easter, but they're their own season. Lent is a season, Easter is a season, but do you know there's a season in between called the Triduum? Those two days are a whole season. Triduum. Is it, is it spelled T-R-I-D-U-U-M? Is it that one, Father Chris? All by themselves. And today we're going to be talking about that first one, Lent. All right. <clears throat> Lent, as you know, starts on Ash Wednesday. But when does it end? It actually goes right up to Thursday evening of the Lord's Supper. Okay? Holy Thursday, where we celebrate the Last Supper, the Lord's Passion, right? Um, or, excuse me, the Lord's Supper. So you see here... Lent actually goes right up until then on Holy Thursday. Now, Lent, you may not know, comes from the English, the old English word spring. And it also is a derivative of the Latin. Ooh, spring. That reminds me of this backdrop right here. Palm blue water and looking at palm trees and feeling the breeze. But that's not the case. We're in reality right now. Aww. We're dealing with the Russian... Uh, movements into Ukraine. Uh, the war has broken out. Uh, the reality of what I've been warning people about for about a year and a half now. Yeah, ditto. Diversifying yourself. Four years for me. yourself. You know, getting away from the traditional banking system, becoming your own bank, becoming your own savings account, right? Um, and counting. I've done videos like what that law that just was passed. Yeah, but on Facebook, IRS, Instagram. Excuse me, is uh, requiring. 
companies like PayPal, Venmo, T- 1099, they're Ten ninety nine. The people that use the app, you know, for people that actually get paid using those apps, mm-hmm. and that information is going on to the IRS. IRS land. That I have been warning people now for about a year and a half that that yeah. the, the collar is getting tighter, uh-huh. the grip is getting stronger, uh-huh. uh, the chokehold is getting uh, chokehold on human beings all over the world. And the facts are that it is not going to let up. And nope. To be able to break free from that, we uh-huh. have to break those bonds and uh-huh. we have to become our own banks. Become our own banks. There's a channel idea for you. Borrow money, you borrow it from yourself because you have a savings account, right? And I've gone into all kinds of different ways. Speak about that, tutorials. This story today is very important, right? Uh, about Ukrainian Central Bank Seasonal investor, definitely. Steam it, definitely. First off, I want to make this very clear. I think it's very important if we talk about crypto. If you own any, you need to get it off the exchanges. Get it off the exchanges. Put a link. If it ain't in your hand, it ain't yours. Possession is ninety percent of the law. If it's in a certificate form, you do not have the object in your hands. Get it? It's a piece of paper. It represents something else. Its value derives from another element. As gold, silver, copper, whatever you have a certificate for. If that thing is not in your hand, it's not yours. I don't care who wave, who you wave that certificate in their face. You can do it all day long. I did. They don't care. Cause they don't have it. My husband said the silver's in the tanks. I said, "What do you mean?" Well, the tanks are over all over the field where they were fighting, and nobody did anything about it. They just left it there. I saw a video on that, and yeah, what do you think the tanks are made of? What do you think the ammo's made of? Where's your precious minerals? Oh, oh yeah, electronics and such. And, yeah. Well, they left it there. There's your certificate. Go get it. Because this is happening all over the world, okay? And so, the crypto that's on the exchange is not yours until you pull it off or you sell it, okay? That's just a fact. We've seen this kind of stuff with Robinhood where they won't allow you to pull it off. Um, Not every exchange, you know, these little fast exchanges that are on your phone, you know, they don't don't all let you uh, withdraw them. That's a big... Big no-no, okay? Now, this video is not all about crypto, okay? But just, I'm going to put a link below to the Trezor site. I'll use the uh, Trezor One. I really like that model um, to actually secure your private keys and allow you to withdraw your crypto onto a, another wallet that you have full control of, okay? If it's on a zip file, that means it's off the computer and it's okay. It's in my position. But if I have given that code to some other platform... Whatever it might be, you better be you're as secure as like, uh, oh, right, Steve-O, right, or any movie involving a bank heist, right, it's not in your possession, it's in the bank, and guess what, FDIC, what does it cover again, I don't know, Dr. Hyde, I don't know, Dr. Jekyll, I don't know, Dr. Hiding in the... I... Now, first off, before I do this, talk about this... Uh, Edward G. Griffin. Report, it's very important to know that this isn't just Ukraine. We saw this in Canada last week because of... And 
it's still going on because of protests, okay? So when a government gets angry and they say, you know, we don't like what you're doing, this is what they go to. They attack your finances, all right? So it says right here, Ukraine Central Bank is cracking down on digital money transfers, okay? Do not think about crypto here, okay? We're not talking about that. In one of the latest measures implemented in connection with a nationwide declaration of martial law, all right? Now, we've seen martial law throughout the world multiple times over in the last two years, okay? So, again, this is not Hong just Kong. a Ukrainian war story. France. Okay, this is Yellow jackets. All over the world. So, I think it's very Peaceful protest. Nothing to see here. Yourself, all right? And that comes in different. We're going to talk about that at the end. Uh, like how to do it. No trucks convoying. A popular Ukrainian crypto exchange shows or that easy. Ukrainian buyers are paying a premium for Tether's USTD stablecoin, which is pegged to the price of the US dollar. Okay, now let's break down just a couple more things that they're talking about. It says the National Bank of Ukraine ordered electronic money, e-money issuers, to suspend the issue. How is it that if you ship nicotine, you, you can't ship it anymore? It's rainbow. Oh, wow. It's almost like they have it out for plants, you know? Anything to do with plants, they just have it out for them, you know? I don't know. I, I, I don't know about that. I, 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 what's a plant again? What, what Plant? Anybody? What's a plant? Any, anybody read the, the Bible? I, I, I'm sure plant shows up a lot of times in the Bible. All kinds of plants. Hello? E-money and the replenishment of electronic wallets with e-money. Okay, now first off, I want to explain what okay. e-money is. Think PayPal. Think Venmo. Okay? E-money. These are companies that are... Yeah, why... I, here's my gripe on merchant services. Because I've been in the customer of merchant services for a long time. And I've seen their changes over the years. Being a small mom and pop shop that we are for the last nearly 30 years now. Okay. So here's my gripe about merchant services. Uh, the fact that they can just hijack your account, blackball your ass. Yeah, it's all bad. It's, oh, no, no, that's the old story. Right. The new story is that even if you try to, say, sell gaming equipment, any kind of electronics, any kind of, I don't know, anything electronic, um... They put you in a different class. They call it special risk or high risk class. And they have a lot of stuff in this category, including anything plant, cosmetic, just a lot of stuff. And what about the special class? Well, you have to go through a lot of hoops, Jimmy. You have to show you have credit. You have all the stylus in your bank account. You have to show like a lot of hoops. It's a long process. And if you don't have all these things, you can't sell any of these items. I'm like, why? Why? There, I mean, it's like everything I want to sell belongs to this item. And they charge you an arm and a leg more for being sorted into this class. To the point where it cuts into your profit. You're like, man, why am I going with this? Mama. So Square is still this. I mean, everybody has this class. Any merchant service. They all have it. Okay, bye. Party that hold money for you for the for between buyer and seller they hold the money so uh, it says this is one this is a one among many new rules rolled out by the country's central bank as Russian forces lay siege across Ukraine now isn't that very interesting 
that they would suspend the use of money in multiple forms on their own citizens as they are being attacked. Think about that. How? Think about what is going on behind the scenes. If you were the head of a country and your country was being ransacked or attacked, would you stop the uh, your people from being able to buy food and fuel? You're essentially now making them prisoners and slaves in their own country. Hello. Think about that. This is very serious. Servant and or slave. My heart goes out to people that are being affected by this. However, let me make this very clear. Daddy! Any people in that country or any of the countries around the world that have suffered martial law. They had bought precious metals like gold and silver, right? To uh, protect them, not to use it exactly in barter. It can't Can you not make him scream? Primarily doing is protecting themselves against a falling currency. You're playing monster, stop it. Or if they would have pulled money out of the bank and had money stashed somewhere so that they could go to the gas station and pay in that whatever currency they're they're using, you know, fiat currency. They could buy gas, they could buy food, using having small denominational bills. They would not be suffering the same fate as everyone around. So I'm this is literally a clarion call. Okay, I'll tell you I'll tell you what I told my brother the other day. I said, he's, he's all in the crypto, right? Or, whatever. Ugh. Stop it! I believe, personally, that things are going to get much worse in the next few months. I believe inflation is going to get worse and that the supply chain is going to get more damage. It's going to become more damaged because of parts of the world that are waking I forgot what I was going to say. You, you made me forget. Waking up and excited to get out, ripping those... Oh, I said, why... Are merchants slow to accept, like, like most merchants that accept crypto are more like online services where they don't really depend, right? But there's no brick and mortar that's willing to accept crypto on a general scale. You can't go buy groceries with it. Why? Do you know why? I said, I, I know why. He said, tell me. Because I've been a brick and mortar. I know what it takes to be a brick and mortar. When you go to your vendor, okay, brick and mortar, you, you have three things you're looking at, minimum. Rent, employee salaries, and inventory. You gotta, those are your essentials. You can't have, be a brick and mortar unless you have money to pay rent, have money to pay the workers, and you have money to pay to replenish your supply or else you're not in business, right? I mean, you can't get more essential than that. So why can't I accept Bitcoin? It's because wh which, who am I going to pay with this Bitcoin? Are my workers going to take it? Are my, can I buy inventory with it? And can I pay my rent with it? Well, so far, no. Why not? Okay, well, let's look at it. Why won't my landlord take crypto? Well, because they have one essential, which is property tax. Oh, I see. So that, again, that's the tax. Because the government will not accept tax being submitted in any form except the U.S. dollar. Oh, we've gotten to the punchline. Great. Now let's see how the other, road, other two roads lead to the same point. Sales.
sales tax. I can't pay sales tax with my crypto. I can't pay duty shipping, right? None of this with crypto. So then I can't buy merchandise with it. That's why other vendors can't take You see the chain? Everything is because the government will not accept crypto. So no merchant who must comply with government <laughs> taxes cannot accept crypto. Get it? Got it? Hopefully. Check your government. Things off their face and they want to go out on a vacation or they want to do something. Also, the facts are, because of government numbers, it just came out the other day. I asked him, I said, you can't pay your you can't pay your property tax with crypto. You can't pay your consumer spending is up almost double, about let's say sixty percent month over month. You get people are waking up to the real truth. You can't pay your parking tickets with crypto. You can't pay your speeding tickets with crypto. Not a narrative. It was a narrative for a while. People like me and other people warning about inflation. But now the truth. That inflation is here. So no matter how much I try to detach myself from the world to minimize my budget so I can live more free, I can't escape tax at the end of the day. I still need that mighty dollar. Get it? That's what I see. You tell me different. And that it's not going away anytime soon unless we have the Federal Reserve intervening. So I am telling you, I think it is very important to change your lifestyle right now. I cannot be more clear than that. And I want to, and again, guys, I'm going to link this story below uh, so you can read it, but I think it's very... You don't see a problem, right? Well, here's a problem. Your purchasing power is being stolen minute by minute. You, wanna, you want me to prove my point? Just go to a website called worlddebtclock.org. Yeah, let's do that because... They've added a lot more information on here than was before. So, world, it used to be simple. Now it's just like kaboom, 10 times. Uh, world Debt Clock. Dot O-R-G. And me being a busy mom can do this. You can do this. Come on, people. I have no time. No time. But if I can do this, you can do this. Come on. National Debt Relief? What? You misdirecting me? <laughs> Worlddebtclock.org I'm going to have to just Google you. <laughs> Excuse me. I do not want to apply for nothing. I apply for nothing. USDebtClock.org Oh, you, okay, gosh. Not world. U.S. Uh-huh. Oh, but there is a worlddebtclocks.com. They have no secret agenda. They are not affiliated, connected, or sponsored with any friendly to any political party, pressure lobby group, or steering party in the world. Our only aim is to provide clear and up-to-date information about the ongoing debt crisis. That's on worlddebtclocks, with an S, dot com. There is a U.S. Debtclock.org. Okay. I'm basically disgustingly clear. Okay, great. Thanks. You're welcome. U.S. Debt. No, debt. It's no I. 
Oh, I ain't in there? No. Just D-E-B-T. Debt clock. Oh, there it rolls. Oh, it's got U.S., China, Japan, Germany, U.K., India, France, Italy, and Brazil, Canada, Argentina, Australia, Belgium, Greece, Indonesia, Ireland, Korea, Mexico, Netherlands, Nigeria, Norway, Poland, Portugal, Russia, Saudi Arabia, Spain, Sweden, Switzerland, Taiwan, Turkey, gobble, gobble. Whoa, it just keeps rolling, rolling on the river. Amazing new mobile app. Special limited time special offer. I love this app. Incredible. So much education and information built into it. I say you guys hit a... Pivot! Y-U-G-E home run. Bigly. Okay, bye. Ooh, but the butter. Ooh, but the butter. Okay, who's first? Who's on first? China with 1.434. Okay, no, no pointing. It's only comma in. Okay, comma in. One, comma, four, three, four, comma, five, sorry, seven, five, one, comma, oh, nine, six. Yeah, it's not changing very fast. I just, oh, seven. There we go. Okay, eight. Uh-huh. Ninety-nine. And we are now at one billion four hundred thirty-four million seven hundred fifty-one thousand one hundred and one for China population. Wow. One or two. That's very fast. What about U.S.? Three, one or three. Are they next in line? No, India is next in line. They are moving quick. Steeplechase, steeplechase. India is catching up very quick. Next in line. One, comma, three, six, eight, comma, two, oh, eight, comma, uh, eight, four, nine, and fifty. Eight, five, oh, eight, five, one. Eight, fifty-two. Eight, fifty-three. Eight, fifty-four. Eight, fifty-five. Population. One million, one billion, three hundred sixty-eight thousand two oh eight. No, sorry. One billion three sixty-eight million. 208,864. Wow. Can I buy a vowel? Sure. <laughs> Let's travel ourselves out of India for a second. And the next one shall be pretty far behind. Yeah. 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 Pretty far behind. Everybody else is just, uh,. Well, Japan has three commas, so I think Japan's next. Nope, there's Brazil. Brazil's next. Brazil? Uh, yeah, Brazil. Over Canada? Yeah, 200 million. Brazil, 200 million. 
200 million, 200 million. That beats Belgium's 11 million. Greece's 10 million. Oh, Indonesia. 271 million. We have a new winner. Oh, second behind. It's 201 million. Nigeria. And, oh, Russia's only 145 million. Saudi Arabia, only 34 million. Spain's only 47 million. Sweden's only 10 million. Switzerland's only 8 million. Taiwan's got 23 million. Well, hello there. Turkey, 82 million. Wow. Okay, so I guess it was, what was it? Indonesia, coming in in number three. So first is, oh no, I forget my good old U.S. of A. No, 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 coming in number three is our good U.S. of A at 332,629,607, sorry, 765 just born. I saw it flicker. Yeah. Say it one more time. 332,629,607. 765. It ain't going nowhere. No, we don't go that. We don't make them that quick, but we make them good. Don't we? Oh, we just jumped to 66. What? That was interesting. Yeah, wasn't it? Cool. Cool. We're officially at 766 for U.S. of A. Coming in at number three on the U.S. Dead Clock population. All right, we'll be right back. Word for 40 days. Now, we all know the 40 days, but we're going to tell you more about that. So, are Sundays included in life? This is really a big confusion. Technically, Sundays are in the season of music. But that makes Lent not 40 days, it makes it 46 days. Lent is actually 46 days. There's 40 days of fasting and six Sundays of non-fasting, right? So, <clears throat> or I should say uh, the traditional form. We are not required to fast every day in Lent today, but traditionally it's 40 days of fast. Now, how do they develop this? Okay. So um, the Sundays are, in the, as I said, the season of Lent, but not as part of the fast. We don't fast on Sundays, even in Lent. Now, sometimes people say, well, Father, does that mean on Sundays I can use or do whatever I gave up? So let's suppose you gave up soda and you gave it up for Lent. Does that mean you can have it on Sundays? Some people like to go all the way through Lent, not at all having it. God bless you. <clears throat> but if you on a Sunday, you're not under the penalty of sin. In fact, I shouldn't tell you this, but even if you do have your soda during any day in Lent, it's also not under the penalty of sin. To give something up for Lent is not obligatory. It's not mandatory. It's tradition. And we suggest that you do that, though, and we'll tell you why coming up. Okay, now, so this is very, very good stuff. Now, let's look at our next slide. Why is the number 40 significant? All right, the number 40 is significant in the Bible because 40 is a traditional number. You all know this. It re refers to discipline or preparation or devotion to God. All right, 
40 is used in the Bible as a round number. It just really means a long time. So if somebody, the Israelites were in the desert for 40 years, they meant a long time. We, we read the Bible there in that sense, right? Now, 40 is very important in the Bible. What was Noah's Ark? 40 days of rain, right? How long was Moses in Egypt? Not in the desert. How long was Moses in, the, in Egypt? 40 years. Then how long were the Jews in the desert? 40 years. How many days was Moses on Mount Sinai? 40 days. Uh, how long did Noah, or excuse me, uh, Jonah preach in Nineveh? 40 days. How many days did Jesus fast in the desert? 40 days. Okay, so you get the point here. It was used to give a complete number, a complete period of time, rather than just saying many. You know, the Israelites were in the desert many years. Jesus fasted many days. 40 and remember we read in the, um, read about at when Adam died, they mourned for him 40 days. And that was a tradition they uh, um, passed on. Is the word used for that. Now, when used, it is something extraordinary in the Bible. 40, whenever you see 40, it means the Bible is telling you, I'm about, we are about to tell you something extraordinary. Something very important. So Lent brings this both together. The 40 days, the significance of 40, and the fast that has been tradition in the church. But here's the point. Why do we need penances? All right. If you are not, and I guarantee you this is the number one thing we Catholics lack. We see the value of the works of mercy. We see the value of the sacraments. We see the value of, of, of being good. This is all true. I see it. But I'm telling you right now, if you listen to Mary at Fatima, she said what is needed is prayer and penance. Prayer and penance. Where we are lacking is in the penance. I see prayer a lot. Praise be to God. But I see very, very few people doing penance. We always like to talk about, oh, we, emails come out, oh, we need a day, a day of... Question. Is this what the Jewish rabbi means by doing a mitzvah? Just question. Prayer and fasting for the Ukraine. All right, how many people are actually doing it? All right, how many people are actually doing it? Not many. And this is what Mary said was so important. So let's do our next slide, penance. Look at your side right there. Penance is the penalty one imposes upon oneself for one's crimes. It's like to tie your own self in your own handcuffs. <laughs> wow, that's a good expression. All right, now, non-Catholics. Now, we got to explain this really quick because this is the biggest complaint we hear from non-Catholics. They say that purgatory cannot exist because that would mean Christ didn't do something. In other words, Christ paid all our debt on the cross. Yes, this is true. Well, then they say, well, having purgatory then would mean that Christ's work was not fully done, was not fully accomplished. Well, if that was true, that would mean everybody goes to heaven. If what you mean by Christ's work was fully accomplished on the cross is that you don't need to do anything, 
You don't even have to cooperate with that grace. Then everybody would go to heaven. And we know that's not Christian teaching. Well, wait a minute, Father. I read in the Bible where it says that Christ did it all. Yes, he did. Well, then what are you saying? I'm, I'm confused. All right. Christ did it all on the cross. He did his part. But we got to cooperate with that grace. If we don't cooperate with that grace, if it didn't matter, then everybody would go to heaven. I don't have to cooperate with anything. I'm going to continue to live my life a sin. But I'm going to heaven because Christ did it all. This is not, that's heresy. All right, so St. <clears throat> Paul tells us, let's look at, next slide. First, or Colossians, first chapter 20, verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill it up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. Right there, Paul is saying there is something lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Whoa, where are our non-Catholics? When this verse comes up, Christ did it all. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to suffer. You don't have to do atonement. You don't have to do reparation. You don't have to do anything. That's not what the Bible says. Paul tells us right there there is something lacking in the sufferings of Christ. What possibly could be lacking in the sufferings of Christ? Your suffering. Your atonement. Your reparation. Now, this is very important. That means that there is something that still needs to be done. Not by forgiveness of sins but now we have to cooperate with that grace he merited <clears throat> we have been forgiven of our sins by Christ on the cross and that grace is given in the confessional this is true so now we can avoid hell and eternal punishment ever has are they all redeemed Everybody will be saved. Jesus talks about Gehenna and talks about the souls that will be thrown into the eternal fire. This is real. So how do we avoid it? This is important. Penances. Because in penances, you have sorrow, you have repentance, you have contrition. You have purpose of amendment. I don't want to do it. Everything that we're told by Protestants that we have to do to be saved is done in penance, but yet they don't want to do penance. They say, some do. I, I shouldn't say this, but many criticize the Catholic faith for that. Jesus did it all. What are you saying? No, we have to cooperate. All right, so now, Revelation, how do we know this? Because Revelation 21, 27 says, nothing impure will ever enter heaven, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. Has anyone here ever done anything shameful or deceitful? Anybody? Well, according to the Bible, then, we're not getting into heaven. But yet, according to non-Catholics, everybody's going to heaven because Jesus did it all. How do you explain this difference? 
In other words, Jesus opened the door to heaven on the cross, but you got to walk through it. And part of walking through it is saying, I'm sorry, and let me make up for what I've done. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. Jesus said, not just saying, Lord, Lord, is enough. I don't know you. You have to not only say it, you have to show it. This is what Lent's about. This is what uh, penances are about. Now, we all fit into that category. We have all done something in our life shameful or deceitful. So how can we then get to heaven? Well, even if we are forgiven in that confessional and by Christ on the cross, grace given in the confessional, a few things need to happen before you get to heaven. Do you think you're ready to go into heaven, even if you've been forgiven of your sins in that confessional? All right, I committed adultery. All right, I committed adultery. I go to the confession. I'm truly sorry. I'm forgiven. But if I'm still attached to that, if I still can't wait for the next moment that I see that person so I can commit adultery again, I can't wait. All I think about night and day is this person. I don't think about God. I only think about being with this person. Do you think you're ready for heaven? You've been forgiven of your sin. You've committed adultery. You've been forgiven of it. You ask God to forgive you, but you're still holding on to it. Jesus says you can commit adultery in your mind. So if this is the case, do you really feel you're ready to walk into heaven? This is no way. We got to be detached. That's what purgatory is about. Purgatory is not about the forgiveness of sins. Purgatory is about detaching from the sins you've already been forgiven of. This is why it makes biblical sense. And all non-Catholics attack purgatory saying, you're saying Jesus' forgiveness on the cross was not enough. No, we're not saying that. Forgiveness of Jesus on the cross was enough. But now we got to cooperate to be cleaned up. I can be forgiven but not ready. That's why we have penances. At the same time, not only do we have to detach, all right, we, um, all right, so where was I here? <laughs> all right, so not only do I have to detach, all right, I have to be purified from past. Do you think that all I have to do is if I murdered 12 people is just say I'm sorry, even to God? Yeah, that's the start. Now you'll avoid hell, but you still got a lot of cleaning up to do. You need to be purified. That's the other thing. And then you need to be prepared so that you don't do this again in the future. So you need to be detached of current sin, purified from past sin, and prepared to meet God and to live with him in purity to prevent future sin. Does all of this, but nobody's doing penance. I fail all the time. I try to fast two days a week, and I get through, you know, most of the day. Like I made it all the way to like ten o'clock at night last Friday. Fasting all the way through, and then I cracked. Okay, not playing. I told you. And so, okay, just get back in the saddle. All right. So this is good stuff here. Now. Yes, we were given, we received the grace of forgiveness in the confessional, but there's still consequences 
of past sins that we have to make amendment for. So detach from current sin, be purified from past sin, and prepared to be with God so you don't commit future sin. This is what purgatory is about. But you know you can avoid purgatory on this earth? Purgatory is a lot of suffering. You don't want to go there. Saints tell us, woo, try to get away from that. But you can. You can avoid purgatory by penance. Yes, we can do penance to make reparation for the sins that have already been forgiven by Jesus on the cross. Well, you said Jesus did it all. He did. He forgave you. That is doing his part. He did all of his part. But he's going to not make you cooperate with his grace. That's your part. Let's look at our next slide. That's why in the confessional, the priest gives you a penance even though you've been forgiven. Why didn't the priest just say you're forgiven? Go ahead. Go do whatever you want. No. The priest gives you a penance. So we need to do satisfaction for the negative effect our sins have had on the world. You know, along with forgiveness... Penances prepare us for heaven. Because again, you could be forgiven and not ready for heaven. Non-Catholics miss this point. They think once you're forgiven, you're totally ready to walk into heaven. I've been forgiven of impatience, of, of, of gluttony, but I'm still attached. I still get impatience. I still have gluttony. So I know I got to do purgatory time or do penance purify from that while here on earth powerful stuff so anyway um penances can help us prepare for heaven so what are they what what do i mean father what do you mean you keep talking about penances all right the catechism says we must repent for sin and as far as possible make reparation to the divine justice how do we do that all right there's two forms all right you can do all right here's what's interesting you can do things that you don't like, or you can not do things you do like. Now, Father, that sounds stupid. Hang with me because it's very powerful. All right? All right, so what do I mean you could do things you don't like? All right, try taking even 30 seconds of a cold shower on a winter morning. Man, if you wake up with any impure thoughts or anything like that, that cold shower will straighten you out in a hurry. And man, it'll wake you up. So do things you don't like doing, like taking a cold shower. Then you give up things that you like. I love soda. I'm from Detroit, especially Fago. That's like my favorite thing in the whole world. But I'm not going to drink any of it during Lent. So you give up something that you like. Now, this doesn't make sense, Father. Why do we do this? God created us to enjoy things. Hang with us. All right, we surrender our will, okay, so God can fill us. We, get, we, we empty ourselves of ourselves. It's like Cana, remember? Cana, the whole story of Cana is emptying your jar so that God can fill you with the holy wine, the wine of the Holy Spirit. Denying myself something good that isn't even sinful makes no sense to 95% of Catholics. But when you empty yourself of yourself, even if it's not sinful, you have more room for God to fill you. This is what's going on. If we can't say no to something or someone, we are enslaved to it. Even Fago soda pop. <laughs> All right. If I absolutely, cameraman Giuseppe loves Mountain Dew. 
That's his favorite thing in the world, is Mountain Dew. At one point, he said, I just can't say no to it. Well, that's enslavement. Now he's doing really good through of all your prayers. People out there are praying for cameraman Giuseppe. Now he's doing really good. I haven't seen a Mountain Dew in his office in months. So this is the point as we, we break our enslavements, even to the senses or the appetites. If I absolutely cannot say no to a cigarette, I'm enslaved to it. If I can't say no to a person, every single night my boyfriend comes over, he wants to have sex, I can't say no to him. I can't say no. I'm enslaved to it. So if we can do these penances, we can do that. We exercise freedom. To, in order to exercise true freedom, you have to be able to say yes or no to something. If you're never allowed to say yes, you don't have freedom either. If you're never allowed to say no, you don't have freedom. You, true freedom is being able to say yes or no. And if I'm enslaved to Fega soda or cigarettes or alcohol or pornography or drugs or whatever it is, I'm enslaved to it. And the biggest thing Christ gave to the world when he came was break the enslavement. I'm here to break the chains. This is why Christ came. All right, so to exercise freedom, you have to be able to say yes or no to both good and evil. People say, well, why would I say no to good or yes to evil? The whole point is you have to have the freedom to say both. That's why God doesn't stop us from saying yes to evil. Because it would take away our freedom. I had somebody write me, he says, this, this is crazy. Why would God ever allow evil? He can't be a good God because then we wouldn't have freedom. With freedom, I have the ability to say yes or no to good, and I have the ability to say yes or no to evil. If I can't say yes or no to anything, I'm enslaved to it. If I can't say no to the evil of whatever it is tempting me, I'm enslaved to it. Like I said, pornography or drugs or whatever it is. And so this is what's really important. Um, if you can't say no, then you have to say, this is the time to do penance. That's how I learn to say no with the little things so that I can then say no to the, the, the sin that's killing me. And when you do it on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, you got an extra grace because you're being obedient to the church. On that day, the church says, fast and abstain from me. I see no value to that, Father. Do you know how much grace there is in the value of being obedient to Christ through his church? And the church asks us not to eat meat and to fast on that day. You get so many graces by just being obedient. All right? It's also, when you do it, a sacrifice for God, not for yourself. Because he can use that to save souls. Then all of a sudden, you become a mini co-redeemer. When you fast, you are sharing in the cross of Christ. You're on the cross with Christ. Man, if you've ever fasted more than one day, only a couple times in my life have I fasted multiple days. I tell you, you are on that cross. But you know what's ironic about it? Once I got through the first day, I was shocked that second day was actually easier. It was the weirdest thing. 
That first day is the killer. In fact, it's the first eight hours. Once I can get first the, past the first eight hours, I seem to sail through. Now, the other night, Friday, I broke down late. But once I got out of that second day, because usually we have a Paschal fast on the, the uh, between um, Ash Wed or uh, Good Friday and the vigil. That's a tradition in the church. So it's multi-days of fast. Now, 